se recomienda las dosis de refuerzo de la vacuna contra el COVID-19 para ciertas personas. Para más información visita vaccinate.virginia.gov o llama al 877-829-4682. Mensaje del Departamento de Salud de Virginia. Podescu Podcast is a founding member of the Odd Pods Media Network. Looking for a new podcast? Check out the Infectious Groove Podcast. My name is Russ and I host the show along with Michelle and Kyle. Every Monday, the three of us bring you music news and tell you our jammy jams so you'll always have new music to check out. The Infectious Groove Podcast discusses music from nearly every decade and genre while openly displaying our passion for music you need to hear. On top of that, we have a thought-provoking main topic of discussion every week to get you thinking, discussing, and sharing music. We also include interviews with the music stars of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms. Subscribe and listen to the Infectious Groove Podcast on your favorite podcast platform today. Podescue podcast. I am CJ, and not with me again is my hetero life mate Rico. Um, sorry guys, Rico's still having some issues with the move. His internet didn't get set up in time, and for those of you who might have been a get vocal recently, we got lucky. We'll just call it that because we tried to sit down today and it didn't go well. But one of the benefits of being part of a a podcast network, especially one that we created or helped create. Um, is you get to meet cool people, and as you guys know, Sam helped me with the last episode, and at a last-minute, like, desperate call, our newest friend, uh, Russ, from the Infectious Groove podcast said, hey, man, I'll come hang out with you guys, or with you, and talk, so I'd like to introduce Russ from Infectious Groove. What's going on, man? Hey, 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 what's going on, brother? Yeah, no. we're, uh, we're, we're in the same time zone. I had nothing going on tonight. I want to come on your show. All, all good things. No, yeah, absolutely. I very much appreciate it. And, you know, Rico will be the first to tell you that he, he can talk music, but he doesn't share a passion for it like I, I do. Like I have, and I, I've gotten to know that you do too. And, and fuck, you put me to shame, bud. And I, <laughs> I mean, I've seen, I've listened to your show. I've seen your, you've sent me pictures of your setup. And like, I thought I was a music fan. <laughs> fuck that. It's so. funny that you say that. Cause my wife, anytime someone sees our setup or they hear me going on about music, they'll inevitably turn to my wife and say, Oh, are you into music? Like Russ is into music. And every time my wife goes, I thought I was into music until I met him. You yeah, know? and so I mean, yeah. I, I I still do think I'm a pretty pretty big music thing or fan, and and I will tell you that, and I would love for you someday to go check out the episode we did um two episodes on fandom that we did with some friends of ours. They were guests, uh, Ashley and Joe from uh, Lilu Multiprops. The important part of that conversation is like I brought up that. And I'm not saying you're like this, but that there are those people out there that if you don't own every fucking T-shirt or every mm-hmm. fucking poster of a band or or a movie or a wrestler or a sports team or whatever, you're not a real fan. Right. And I hate that shit because mm-hmm. 
I'm probably one of the biggest Metallica fans on the planet, but that doesn't mean that I own everything that's ever been produced with Metallica on it. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And like, and that yeah. just irks me. And, and all cards on the table, I absolutely used to be that guy that says the dumb thing when someone when you see someone in a Metallica shirt and you go, oh oh, you like Metallica? Name four albums. You know, like or right, like right. That's not that's not how all things are uh, graded. And I used to for very erroneously for a long time. Uh, that's how I graded things, or I felt the need that I had to make sure that people had the same knowledge level I do. And like, that's not it. And the, at the end of the day, as long as anything moves you, then, then that's the, the level, uh, to, to, the, to get in the door. Right, right, and that's and I agree, I agree. So, but that that's not the topic we're here to talk tonight. But before we get into our topic, why don't you let um, the Potoskew fans know a little bit about Infectious Groove because we haven't really talked about you guys on the show too much yet. Yeah, for sure. So we are still babies in the whole podcast journey. We our show kicked off in uh, late January of this year. And we originally had a vision of all these concerts we were going to talk about and, you know, all all these great things we could do on location. And then, you know, I don't need to tell everybody what happened, but (laughs) we kind of had to shift gears early on. But it allowed us to go into a whole lot of like the history of us and things that we have done. And one thing that has really worked in our favor is a, a lot of these high profile musicians are all sitting around doing nothing. Yeah. So instead of me fighting with high profile media, trying to get 10 minutes of these guys time on a tour bus, we've had people like Steve Gorman from the Black Crows or Jeff Scott Soto, who's a metal legend, reach out to us and be like, hey, can we, you know, can we come on your show? And yeah, take Jeff Scott Soto, for example, this cat is saying with Ingve Malmsteen, he's saying with Journey, he's the front man of the Sons of Apollo now. Um, He's saying with everybody on the planet. I mean, he's, he's fronted queen for a show with, with the original members, like with including the bass player. And, um, and he reached out to us and I said, well, all I need is about 10 or 15 minutes of your time. He said, Oh no, I want to do the whole episode with you guys. You know, you're like, and, okay. <laughs> yeah. And if, and if, and if we're in a quote unquote normal world, there's no way that happens. Well, somebody you don't know that, that busy. Well, I just mean there's somebody that busy has got 10 sure, minutes to give sure. to every metal publication. Right. Right. Know? No, that's fair. That's fair. I understand. Absolutely. And that, that's awesome though, man. I'm so, so I've been super excited for you, like guys. I and, and and Russ, I think I reached out to you like what within a day of hearing your show and was like yeah. had nothing to do with the network yet. It was just like, dude, I love your fucking show. Yeah, you know, right on. and and you know, we've gotten to be friendly and that's pretty cool. And now now you're a fellow odd pods you know, member and here we go. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, yeah. and real quick, just some quick background on the show. Please. It's one of those things where Literally every person I've met in the past 10 years, if I start talking about music, they always, oh my God, why don't you have your own music podcast? You know? And yeah. uh, so it took forever for me to get it off the ground, but since launching it, and I don't know if other hosts are the same way, but since launching it, it's like, you just put everything into it That's all me. the time, yeah, yeah. you know? I- yeah. yeah. I, and so, and, and we get, you know, we have it, we're not the biggest thing ever uh, yet, but the engagement that we do get is from people that really appreciate what we do, how we talk about music. We, we try very hard to keep things positive instead of 
one of the things I didn't want to do is if you go on the internet, you can find a hundred websites that are dedicated to uh, the five most overrated albums of all time. Yeah, the, you yeah, know. yeah. And I, there's just enough of that out there. I'm not saying everybody that's ever recorded a song has done a great song, but there are really great songs out there we could devote time to sure. instead of, you know, for example, you know, instead of talking about the most overrated, you know, queen songs or whatever, let's talk about the underrated ones that people yeah. haven't heard, like that more people should listen to. And so that's what we try and do. No, that's an awesome thing to go. Although, I mean, you think about a guy, you know, a guy like John Landau started his career by just trashing everybody. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then he well, becomes I, yeah. like, you know, but you know, that, that's a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I don't hold, it's not like I hold back my opinion on sure, things. I just sure. don't, for example, I, and I, hopefully I don't offend anybody with this, but I, I openly joke all the time that like, literally I like, I, I can find something to like about every single thing I've ever heard, except for Creed, like the band Creed. I just, <laughs> I've, I've heard just you not, guys talk yeah, about Creed. It's not my thing, man. And, uh, you know, so I take jabs at that, but I don't, it's not malicious, you know, well, like I don't go, Oh, and you're an idiot. If you like Creed, right, you know, it's just right. not my thing. You know. Well, and, and that's kind of you know uh, we'll we'll I'll get into this real quick, but I want to comment something first before I get there. Um, so if my if my math serves me, I'm going to be on your show two days after this it drops because I think we're releasing the same week. I think if not, I'll be the week after. But you will be on our show. Uh, the episode with you will come out uh, Monday the sixteenth. Okay, and then. Yeah, so that's the same day that the, that's the same. Actually, the same day. So people are going to be able to literally go from Potescu to Infectious Groove and hear like back to back episodes, basically. Yep. Um, but you know, you got to at least give Tremonti from Creed his credit. He might be one. He might be a very underrated guitar player. You know. So I, I, I promise I'm not going to go off on this because I just sure. went on about how negative I uh, I, I don't want to be. So the thing with Creed is this, um, and I can't remember all their names, but uh, their, drum, their drummer, their drummer's name is Scott as well. Uh, obviously, Scott um, Stapp is their lead singer, but their their drummer is fantastic. He's a fantastic drummer. Their and, and like Mark Tremonti is one hell of a guitar player. Their bass player is a really good bass player, but for some reason, all of them together don't add up for me. So it's I'm guessing very. You- very very uh, strange. Uh, without getting into a whole conversation, because again, we're not here to talk about this tonight. But I'm yeah. guessing you don't like Alter Bridge either, for that same reason. No, I do, and that's what's dude. It's a whole thing, man. I like <laughs> Alter Bridge, but then I don't like Alter Bridge is the same cats, but with uh, Miles Kennedy singing, right? Right. But then, and I like that, but then I don't like when Miles Kennedy sings for Slash. <laughs> no, I'm I'm kind of with you. No, I'm 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 yeah. with you there. Like Miles Kennedy. Is a phenomenal vocalist, but for whatever reason, reason with the Snake Pit, he doesn't sound right. But with Alter Bridge, right. he sounds amazing. And then some other. So I've also heard him do some solo stuff that's been really that's not Snake Pit. That's been pretty good. Yeah. So it's it's just yeah, I'm with you. But I mean, to the same effect. And I'm not again. This I, this may start a thing. So if you're gonna, if it is, just stop me and we'll move on. But right. like, I feel like Nickelback gets shit on way too hard. For oh, I totally agree. Yeah, um, I totally agree. And, and the, I, you know, I watched that because I'm a little older, a, a little bit. I watched that happen with the late '80s bands, yeah. Where there are bands like Cinderella, Tesla, uh, Skid Row, that are fantastic bands yeah. that really get lumped in with bands who weren't so great, yeah, because they're from the same genre. And yeah, Nickelback. I think one thing that happens to Nickelback is there's they put out records every couple of years, whereas Creed 
was non-existent like I don't know eight or ten years ago. Yeah. So they're yeah. they're more front of mind. For yeah, well, I mean, to, but I mean, people just yeah. like you know, like uh, again, I'm trying to avoid a thing, but I have a feeling that's going to happen. But like when Dimebag Daryl died, they wrote a song called "Side of a Bullet" where they had yep. like actually got a cl- some some old um, recordings that Dime had done yeah, and were never released it, yeah. solos. Yeah, and so basically, Dime's playing on the track, and you know, people, sh- I know people that shat on that for like how dare they do this to Diamond? Like, do you understand Dime's widow or she's not widow because they weren't married, but his long-term, you know, girlfriend, whatever. Yeah, Rita. Yeah. Who I've met. Rita's in a, she's awesome. I don't know if you've ever met her. I've never met her, but I've heard she's a real sweetheart. I I only got to talk to her for like two minutes, but the little bit of time I got to talk to her, she was awesome. Um, But, and it was sadly, it was after Dime had passed, so I didn't get to meet Dime, but that's, you know, uh, a thing. But, um, but like, they gave that to Nickelback. They gave that to Chad Kroger and were like, here, please do that. You know what I mean? Like, Chad approached them and it was like, I want to honor Dime. And they were like, here, (laughs) you know? So, anyway, but that's that's a different debate for another day. And I'm sure you and I will have a chance to have that sometime on air. But, um... For our audience, for the Pot of Skew audience, they know that I'm a huge, huge fan of the movie High Fidelity with John Cusack. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that like people actually, before I ever saw it, came to me and were like, dude, they wrote a movie about you. You need to see this movie. Right. And then I saw the movie and I was like, yeah, they wrote a movie about me. Because <laughs> right, yep. especially at the time, I was working at Sam Goody. So I was working in a CD store. Now, obviously, it's a little bit different than records. But, you you know, you, you the same deal. extrapolate same deal. where you can. Um, and and I fell in love with the movie. It's still one of my favorites of all time. And, but it's as fantastic. Such, yeah, it's, it's a great a, it's film. A, it's a fantastic picture, yeah. And honestly, I'm not and, – and Rico and I have talked about this a little bit – I. I'm not the world's biggest Jack Black fan, but I don't mind him in that film. Like he, same, same. Yeah, he's not bad. He fits that role. Now, if you've read the book, it's completely different. Besides the fact that it doesn't take place in Chicago, but like the characters um, are way, way different, except for Rob. Rob's the only one that's consistent. But anyway, the point of bringing the movie up is that they constantly, throughout the film, are doing top five lists. And and throughout the book as well, and as such, I created my own my own constant top five, which is my top five favorite bands, and I I can write all that thing off at any given time without any questions. That's that's not a thing. So I pose to you again with the short playing time that we had. Let's talk about our top five favorite bands because we've never really talked on air before. So I yeah, thought it'd sure. be a, a good way to uh, to start this thing off. So. Um, as you being the guest and all, I will. How do you want to do it, Russ? You want to do just you list yours, I'll list mine, and then we'll actually get into like why and where, like why their position may are. Or do you want to go one uh, at a time? Let's go one at a time from five to one. Five to one. Okay, I'm used to going forward then, to back, but I can do it. I can. I and then can. we'll uh, then we'll maybe stop between uh, two and one for some honorable mentions. Maybe? That sounds like a plan to me. Yeah. All I right. the thing the thing, and I'm I'm fine with this plan. But the reason I like going one to five is because my five tends to shock people. <laughs> mm. They don't expect yeah. that one, but you know. So, but yeah, but why don't you I go mean, first? Let's get into it. I mean, you'll shock me right off the top, and we'll we'll talk it out. All right. Well, you go first, since you're the guest. All right. So. I really don't think my top five could be any different. I mean, there's two artists on here that, and holy cow, am I going to sound like a 
D bag when I say this, but there's, <laughs> there's, there's two on here that to the untrained ear, I think people would, would say sound the same, but I, I, they couldn't be more different across the board. But sure. uh, anyways, uh, my number five artist of all time uh, beyond the shadow of a doubt is the black crows. And the reason okay. the black crows, almost everybody I know knows the first two records and that's it. Sure. And those are not bad records by any stretch. I think the second record is infinitely better is than second the first Lions, one. Is the second one no, Lions? Is the second one Lions? Second Lions is their sixth record. Okay, okay. Uh, but kudos to you for knowing Lions because nobody knows that album. <laughs> that album kicks <laughs> ten times. I actually have I have a lot of Black Crows in my library. You know, yeah. so I yeah. And uh, but th- their second record, The Southern Harmony and Musical Companion, is just a statement, man. Like for me, it's it's up there with some of the greatest sophomore records ever made. Like I, I put it in the same category as like Pearl Jam versus, which I think is one of the greatest second records ever made by anybody. Yeah, I I, I can't argue with that. Unfortunately, you get to Vitalogy and it falls off a fucking table, but that's <laughs> you know. Um, but uh. And then the crows, for me, they just kept evolving. Like uh, uh, Amorca, their third record is is a step of evolution past the third record. The fourth record, Three Snakes and One Charm, is I think criminally underrated. The really the only thing in their catalog that I don't like from an artistic standpoint is their fifth record, which is. Um, it sounds like the record label told them to go make the first album again. You know, yeah, like it's a calculated yeah. move. Like, hey, let, let's sell some hard to handles again. You know? I, th- I think uh, I think the same thing happened at Corn with the Untouchables. I believe is the album I'm yeah. thinking of. Yeah. So. Yeah, and uh, and then Lions is their sixth, and it, Lions is like not only a return to form, but it's the record that should have come right after. Uh, three snakes and one charm their fourth okay. album like it, right. it's it's the next step in the evolution past that and then they rounded out their career with before the frost until the freeze but besides all of that they were an amazing band to see live and without going off on a big tangent i will say i say were because the thing calling itself the black crows now yeah the listeners can't hear this but i'm using dr evil quotes <laughs> the corporation calling itself the black crows that's going to tour when this corona thing is over is not the black crows it's, it's like just the, the robinsons yeah. right yeah yeah and three and three hired people who are being paid to uh recreate their first record which you can hear in a bar on the corner done right. as well as you're going to pay 150 bucks for them to do it you know yeah but in their time they were i think I personally think that they were the greatest touring band of the past 15 years. They were stunningly good live and all those things together for me, the constant evolution on each record. Sure. There's so much, I so much encourage anybody now who might say, Oh, there's no good rock music anymore. Uh, go back and get yourself anything from the third black crows record on and enjoy the hell out of that. Cause it's there and you have it yet. Yeah. I, I'll tell you right now. Like I, well, I have a lot of Black Crows. I don't know that I have as much of an appreciation for them that you do. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. that I don't like them because I do. I do like sure, them quite sure. a bit. Um, uh, I'll even go as far as I mentioned Vitalogy earlier. I had a copy of Vitalogy because I'd bought it when it came out, you know, umpteen years ago. And I know a guy who had Shake Your Money Maker, and he didn't like Shun Your Make Shake Your Money Maker, and I didn't like Vitalogy, so we did a fucking swap because I loved Hard to Handle. <laughs> And, yeah. um, you know, twice, um, as, hard, twice as hard. Yeah. All that. Yeah. Um, talks to angels, you know, all mm-hmm. those, those tracks. So we did a record swap and it, to me is still, I still feel to this day, I got the better end of that deal without question, 
you know. Well, you know, and again, without going off on a tangent, I I like Vitalgy a great deal. I don't I don't think it's there's a lot of people who revere Vitalgy as like some sort of masterpiece. I know. I don't think it's any sort of masterpiece, but I do like it. For me, Pearl Jam fell off with no code. And I have a good friend that we argue about this constantly. Their fourth <laughs> record, he thinks it's just brilliant, and I do not at all. However, I think Yield, their fifth album, is hands down the best record they've ever made. And most people didn't even give it a chance because either Vitalgy or No Code or both turned them off. Yeah. And I totally get that. Like, I get, I get being like, okay, I'm not going for a third strike with this band. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I mean, and that's happened to me with a couple other bands. So I know what you're saying. Yeah. Uh... <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. The holidays are over, the new year is here, and the time to act is now. Expert private care at Recovery Centers of America will get you on the road to recovery today. At our award-winning and fully accredited treatment centers on the Eastern Shore and in Southern Maryland, you will be treated with compassion, dignity, and respect by our dedicated team of professionals. You will also benefit from specialized programs, 24-hour medical care, and the comfort of our outstanding facilities. Let us help you. We will answer your call 24-7 and can get you into treatment as soon as today. If outpatient care is right for you, you can receive a same-day assessment and attend therapy in person or virtually. And because we accept most private insurance plans, you get premium care without the premium price. Don't wait. Start your new year. Start your new life today. Call 1-888-RECOVERY now. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. Um, so it, 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 but yeah, Black Crow's a good pick. The only thing that surprised me right with that, starting right off the top with them being fifth, is I've heard, I've listened to a bit of your back catalog, not a, a reasonable amount of your back catalog, and you and I have had some, you know, off-air conversations. I would have expected the Crows to be higher on that list. Like, well, maybe I not. Got some, I got some big boys coming on. Fair <laughs> enough. No, 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 no. Fair enough. But I would have, I just would have, just based on the conversation we've had and I would have yeah. expected it. That's all. Not finding fault or criticizing. No, 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 no. I, um, I, I mean, I saw them, I, I, somewhere I lost track between 20 and 25 times in concert. So yeah. I, 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 I do talk about them a great deal. I'm a huge champ. I, I just think they're criminally underrated. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I do agree with that. I mean, uh, it's certainly one of my favorite behind the musics I've ever watched is oh, on isn't the that Black just Rose. great. Um, and I think, and, and, and please bear with me. Cause I always get the two Robinsons confused. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. but I think Chris is the singer, right? Yeah, Chris is the singer. He's the bigger of the two dicks. They're both right. dicks, but Chris is the bigger dick. Correct. But the thing that I remember from that Behind the Music more than anything else is they were shooting a video for one of the songs, and I think it was on Amorica, but I could be wrong. And he said that they had a whole bunch of extras, but the only way you got on stage is they had a big bowl of mushrooms mm-hmm. at the yep. door, and you had to take a handful of mushrooms before you could walk on stage. Mm-hmm. And I and he said, so you just had like fifty people tripping out while they're playing mm-hmm. the song, and it's like you know that's <laughs> I don't know why, but that's burned into my memory, like Chris well, Robinson yeah. telling that story. And you know, for me, I, the funny it's the 
the funniest part in that behind the music is they talk about when they get to the point where their original bass player is going to leave the band and they talk to him and he's all teary about it on camera. And then they talk to rich, the guitar player, and he's all teary about it. They talk to Steve and Steve Gorman's getting all choked up. And then they yeah. cut to Chris Robinson and literally on camera, he goes, uh, and me, I'm like, bye. The band is me, Rich, and Steve anyway. <laughs> like, yeah. A, I, remember, I do remember that now that you say it. Yeah. <laughs> what a dick. Oh, uh, yeah. They're, that, they're, it takes a special kind of swagger. Yeah. And then also to get, um, what's her name? Who is he married to briefly? I was so, yeah. I was so fucking jealous. Bastard. Yeah. Um, she's got a thing for musicians. That's a whole different conversation, but she. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. She's got a thing for musicians. Okay, so uh, anything else you want to say before we move to mine? No, sir. That is my number five. Who you okay. got? So I, I want to tell you before I get into mine, and I should have started it off with it, started us off with this, and I didn't. I have a criteria for my top five. So this is mm-hmm. my my criteria is I have to like everything you've ever put out. I may not always be in the mood to hear it, but I have to like it all. So the point being is that I can put in any one of your albums, and if I'm not in any particular mood, I can go from track one to track whatever and not hit skip. Yeah. And even, But if I do, it's not because I don't like said song. It's I'm just not in the mood to hear said song. Yep. Right? I just doubled. I was looking at my top five uh, to make sure it fits that criteria, and it still does. <laughs> okay. Well, even if it didn't, that's just mine. I'm not going to. I don't. No, no, no. I get it, that. though. Um, that's a good way to go about it. My number five, the the shocker, as I mentioned, stabbing westward. I think. Oh, okay. I think they're criminally underrated. And I would, yeah, I'd agree. Um, I I just I, see, I I can't speak as eloquently about some of these bands as I think you will, but I will tell you that I the just something about the vibe of that band that just grabbed me, and you know, um, it, it's uh, that's how caught me in a period where I was like trying to find myself you know when did I, you get turned on to him 17 so 1997 no, I mean, year like, oh 97 uh, right around the time um okay. blister uh christ i probably should have their their uh discography up but the time that they they really broke with mm-hmm. um why am i blanking on shit tonight russ this is pissing me it's all off good. it's all good i just popped that question the only reason why i ask is i've only ever seen them live in concert once and it was uh i i got put up on them i had no idea who they were and they were opening for depeche mode which is and, another band I fucking love. They're not on my yeah, top yeah. five, but I love the patch mode. Yeah, um, me too. But uh, hold on, I pulled up their discography because this is gonna. So it was right around the time Wither, Blister, Burn, and Peel came out. And what do I have to do? In Shame were the two big ones, you know. But mm-hmm. what do I have to do was actually the one that grabbed me, and In Shame was the one that kept me, you know. Right. Um, I actually have. You know, so you and I are about the same age, so we remember Napster and LimeWire and all oh, that yeah. shit. And you know, yes, I get the whole the bands, any band that was on there. You know, they were losing money, this, that, and the third. And that's an, again another discussion. But one of the great things about Napster and LimeWire and those things was that it allowed you to find these like gems of like acoustic sessions or these one-off singles that that maybe only were released overseas or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I got this great acoustic version of them doing shame and it's mm-hmm. almost better than the original as crazy as that, that sounds, you know, I love when that happens. Um, and, and the original is amazing too. I still love the original, but that acoustic one might just be a little better. As another quick example of that is I have a, an acoustic version of cumbersome by seven Mary three. That's 
and I love the original, but that acoustic version so much better. Anyway, mm. um, uh, by the way, you know what's the jam by Seven Mary Three that nobody knows is the song. It was the first single off their second record, Lucky. Is okay. an acoustic. Uh, it's an acoustic ballad that is killer, and, and no one knows that. song. I don't think I know should. it. Yeah, I have to say Dude, I'm just as look, guilty. When we're done, look that up on Spotify. It is a jam, and it's uh, an acoustic ballad, but it's really good. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, then you get into the next album, Darkest Days. You know, and 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 that's got all all of their songs are very very haunting. Mm-hmm. It's very there's there's almost like a. a I don't want to say spiritual. Well, I do want to say spiritual, but I don't mean it in like a religious sense. I mean it in that like ghostly sense. There's like a like a uh that kind of sense to all their songs to me sure. and it just grabs me on all of them and and the way that they crushing me sometimes it hurts. I mean, those are back to the Wither Blessed Burn and Peel album, but still like they just rattle off song after song and it and, and I don't know. It just grab, like I said, it just grabbed me. I can't always explain, you know. No, I hear like, you, dude. I hear you. I my, let me put it this way. Like I say, I've only ever seen them in concert once, and I had no idea who they were. I went and saw Depeche Mode in on the Songs of Faith and Devotion tour, and I uh, there's a couple things I remember about that show. One of which was I had the flu so bad, like oh. I was dying, and I was like, no, I'm crawling to this concert. Like I'm going to see Depeche Mode, and. Before Stabbing Western went on, I was just sitting in my chair, literally doubled over, like had my hands like sweating and, and dying and just had the flu. Sure. And uh, they were good enough that they caused me to like get out of my seat and like hold on to the rail in front of me to like prop myself up. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. To, to watch them. So and for an opening act I had never heard of before they played their first note. That's a pretty good band. No, for sure, for sure. And then you know, unfortunately, they've they've all broken off and kind of done their own thing. And and I've heard some of the side projects, and some of them are okay, but they're they're, just, they're not stabbing. You know what I mean? Like no, I hear what you mean. Other other bands, you know, we were talking pre-show about Velvet Revolver, and like you can get you know a band like that together. That's the the conglomeration of other bands, and it's still an amazing piece of work, you know. Or even Audio Slave, you know, which mm-hmm. honestly I still think is better than Rage Against the Machine. Personally, um, I mean, I know I like Rage, but I would take Audio Slave over Rage. It's just my, no, I can, I yeah. can see that, yeah. Um, but you know, but then you sometimes the other side of that happens where you, these these artists go off and do their own solo work or other bands, and it's like. Pfft, no i totally get that yeah you and a lot of times like for example to go back to the crows there's three main well there's a ton of side projects that have come out of the crows but and there's no light way to put this almost all of it is garbage except for uh rich robinson has a couple of solo records under his own name and one of them is Excellent. Like I would put it up against any black crows record. The other ones are just so, so, um, I personally am way put off by all of the solo stuff. Chris did. It's all, it's, it's just, it's all grateful dead fish style stuff. And I don't mind those bands, but we already have those bands. Like we don't need Chris to do it again. I've never been a jam band kind of guy. Like I'm not going to go shit on those bands, but I've just never, it's never spoken to me. Um, But I will say that Steve Gorman has a new project that he's drumming on called trigger hippie. And overall it's the, it's the best crows thing. It's crows. the, The best thing to come out of the black crows, in my opinion, I haven't heard them, but I've heard you speak of them and I, I do need to go check that out. The, um, yeah, it, it it it's yeah. I don't know. It. I had a place I was going. Uh, dude, I'm struggling mentally tonight for some reason. I don't know all why. Good. I apologize. But uh, all yeah. good, brother. Um, 
Why don't we yeah. go on to your number four, and then I'll hit my number four. Oh, afterwards. you want to go for back to back? Okay, that's fine. Yes. Um, number four, I can speak a little more about. I think. Um, Rammstein. Love right Rammstein. Um, right I I think there's multiple reasons for that. Um, so you wouldn't know this because we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. But I I know I've talked about it on the show. I'm adopted, and I was oh, adopted. Really? And I was adopted into a German family, um, and so I was. And my when I say adopted into a German family, like my grandfather from my adopted family came from Germany in 1936 or something like okay. that. So like it's it's you know German, right, um, right, right. And while I never got to learn German, that was really my own fault for just being a dumb kid that didn't take the time to care. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, that's actually one of my biggest regrets in life is that my grandfather died before I was old enough to grasp that I wanted to learn and take the time to learn from him. But anyway, that's right. a different issue. Um, and then I heard Rammstein do do with Du Hast back in ninety seven. I want to say, yeah, say ninety seven yeah. probably. Um, yeah. and I was like, I think that because I knew enough German to know like to recognize it when I heard it. Do you know what I mean? And so I'm sure, like, sure. that's yeah. well, no, because because you get into German and like Slovakian, Slovakian, and some of those other Prussian languages, they're close. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I know that's German, and I just. I bought the Zenzucht album, the the one with Duhast on it. And of course I bought it for Duhast. I'm not gonna lie. That's why I bought it. But I sat down and started listening to it and it, like it was just kick you in the face song after song after song. <laughs> and even even I mean, if you're obviously you're probably familiar with the album, but even Angle, which is like the power ballad, if you will, that's on that thing, you know. And I I feel like power ballad gets overused, so that's my fault. <laughs> but, no, I hear you. Um but even that song, as 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 lighted as it is from a compared to the other songs, it still is that powerful, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I still I maintain to this day that German is the best foreign language metal language. There's no oh, language better without question for yeah. metal than German. Because then you get it. Because then I eventually found you know Icebreaker, who's not as good as Rammstein, but at least in my opinion. But you know, um, have you listened to any uh, KMFDM? Oh yeah, I love KMFDM. Yeah. Right on. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a friend of mine get me into KMFDM. I want it probably 92, 93, something like that. Okay. And of course, of course, nothing KMFDM's ever been played on any American radio at all. So oh, pretty much my you know, my exposure to it was me and my buddy driving around listening to KM, um Angst, the, okay. the uh, album came uh, Angst. Yeah. So when Rammstein broke here, like all my friends were like, Oh, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard, or whatever else. And like this is so shocking and different. And I was like, uh yeah, I got a CD I heard about about five years ago. You got to hear, you know, it's kind of yeah, the same no, thing. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I don't think it's the same exact thing. KMFDM feels a little more electronic than Rammstein does. Oh, for to sure, me. for sure. Um, yeah, and specifically that's not... that album, KMFDM Angst. Yeah, is uh, hard, harder metal than anything else. That Agreed. They did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My, my exposure to KMFDM actually comes from the Mortal Kombat soundtrack because the song Jude Joint Jezebel. Jude Joint Jezebel, yeah. Yeah, and then that made me kind of dive down that rabbit hole. It's so See, funny when you say that because, like, when my friends and I went and saw uh, Bad Boys in the theater, yeah, there's that scene where they go into the club and Juke Joint Jezebel is jamming. Yeah. And yeah. I was, like, the only one out of my friends. I was like, this is goddamn jam. And my friends were all like, what the hell is this crap? You know? <laughs> it's then, not... Like, you know, five years the, later when uh, Rammstein broke, I was like, this is this is kind of the thing that I was telling <laughs> yeah, you about when we yeah, saw yeah, Bad yeah. Boys. You know? um, 
the other the other one from not to get off. I mean, but this is what we do on Potter We tend to we tend to skew off and come back. No pun intended. Sure, sure. But yeah, one of the one of the other songs from that Mortal Kombat soundtrack, that, or one of the other bands I got into, direct result of that soundtrack is Typo Negative, because oh, yeah. I I wasn't they weren't on my radar either. But there was that version of Blood and Fire, and so yeah. I you know I dove down that rabbit hole as well. And and I do still love Typo Negative, but they don't fit the criteria for top five. I mean, neither did came Some of yours have won like everything they've ever done. Yeah, yeah, but but Rammstein and listen, they put Rammstein had pushed the limits of staying on this list because I will tell you that there is a band that was third that is no longer on the list. They got booted because they put out an album, and I fucking hated it. And I oh pretty, man. And I've pretty much hated every album they've put out since, which is a shame because I know they're a talented band. Was I it just, Bon Jovi? No, no, no. <laughs> because Bon Jovi was on a streak with me until uh, uh, Have a Nice Day. And then after that, everything they've done past that, I hate, I hate, hate. But I, I loved everything before it. So. Have a Nice Day wasn't a bad album, but I understand where you're coming from. Like, it, yeah, I think the one I think the one before it is Monster in its underrated bounce. That record oh, yeah. is great. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. and so they were coming off of a real streak for me because I think these days is their best record, and then Crush was good, and then Bounce was great, and then they just put out Have a Nice Day, and it was like what the shit? Like <laughs> I was so I was so mad, and then they they have not done even one song that I've liked since then. Yeah, that sucks. That's a shame to hear. Um, because but then again, like I feel like you know what I you know I feel like John's gotten kind of pretentious. As he's gotten older in his career, I hate to say that, but I, I do feel that way. So you know? there's this Bon Jovi documentary called When We Were Young. And John said this thing in the documentary that made me respect the hell out of him and hate him at the same exact time. Sure. Okay. So because in the documentary, they talked to him about how like these days, every if you ask any quote unquote Bon Jovi fan, like a person who's like ride or die Bon Jovi, all of them will tell you that these days is their best record and more people should know that album and it's criminally underrated. And it's hands down, it's the artistic high point for Bon Jovi. It's a lot sure. more than just uh, we can do this, which is like every Bon Jovi song for the past <laughs> decade right? right okay so he john bon jovi looks dead in the camera and he's like here's the thing he's like i'm i am john bon jovi the guy that like made this band out of nowhere and like put these guys together and, and you know and, and made something out of nothing he goes but now i'm the president of the bon jovi corporation and he's like we have to listen to our customers and he's like our customers told us they don't want to buy albums like these days He's like, that's why Bon Jovi fans have to go around telling everybody about that record and trying to get more people to listen to it because the customer didn't buy it. He's like, right. and then if you look, the next record, we did Crush, and we basically rewrote Living on a Prayer, and it sold a gajillion copies, and we did it again on Bounce, and we did it again on Have a Nice Day. And he's like, as the president of a corporation trying to sell product, he's like, that's I have to put out what my customer wants to buy. And like yeah. I say, I respect the hell out of him for saying that. Like, just for instead of like double talk and BS and sure, you know, sure. You know, I mean, he just flat out says it. But then I hate that he said it. Right? No, I hear <laughs> you. Know? you. Yeah, I, I can see why you would hate that. Like, it just it makes sense. But I mean, it also makes like you said, it makes sense for him to say it. You know, I yeah. I I've been a fan, and then I watched him induct Howard's. No, was it the other way around? I watched Howard Stern induct him into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and then. I watched his speech and I was like, just, I forget. I wish I could remember exactly what he said, but it was something about the vibe of that speech that I was like, really? Yeah. You know, like that just, I don't know. Anyway, but 
getting back to to Rammstein because that's where we started this conversation. Sure, sure. Rammstein, um, Bon Jovi, same thing. Yeah, same thing. Uh, yeah. You know, the thing that I respect the most about Rammstein, I've never seen them live, but I've seen, and I, and maybe this is a quick side note that we do a quick conversation on, but I, I do think a live DVD Blu-ray is close enough to say you've got the live experience. It doesn't mean you saw them live. I won't say that I saw Rammstein live, but you get the live experience versus if you just put the album on or watch a music video or right. whatever. When it's done right, I totally agree. Right. And Rammstein has one called Live House Berlin. It's right after the Zen Zucked album that I think 100% qualifies for that statement. You know, yep. and I've watched it. I've literally lost count. I would like to give you a number, but I don't think I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and they sound identical to the album. And yes, you could make the argument, okay, well, they overlaid it with the audio from the album. No, oh, yeah. no, yeah. they're that good live, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the only well, reason why I mean, I mean I, I, every, every live release, whether it's a live record or a live DVD or whatever else, every live release that's ever happened has overdubs on it. And I don't care what hype sticker says otherwise or what, oh, what artist says otherwise. It's a thing. It happens with every live record. Some are far more criminal than others. You know, I uh, I would agree they, with you, except that I know people that saw them on that tour and sure. said it's ex- like we're actually in the room, like right, watching, right, right. and and said it's it's identical. Like there's sure. not, you know, sure, and, I'm, 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 I, it, what my point was, I wasn't saying it's a it's a bad thing if they did. I'm just saying sure. if they if they overdub something here, there, or whatever, you know, I, everyone does. I can I can tell you three live records off the top of my head that are actually not at all live. Even and they're revered Ugh. live records that were recorded in the studio, and then literally they just <sighs> put crowd noise over it afterwards. I, I can tell you three very popular live records that were not even, even not even one note was recorded live. I think we have to pin that and save that for the end of the episode because I think we need to reveal that honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle. Is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast? The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change, like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on, and Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. Please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. The one thing that I, I, like I said, I've talked to some people, and and I I trust that that's what it sounds like to to listen to Rammstein live, and... The only reason why I haven't seen them live is because they so rarely come to the United States because sure. they do such a stage show that it costs just like an exorbitant amount of money for them to bring that show to the United States. And it sucks because they were going to come over this year. And for the same reasons we seem to keep going back to, guess what? <laughs> it ain't happening. And, then, no. and, of, and yep. then, of course, Till got it. Now, as far as I know, he's fully recovered. But, you know, like, 
there was a brief moment where we were like, fuck, if we lose Tilda to this thing, like, I got a mm-hmm. friend who's as much into them as I am, and he was like, I'm gonna shit bricks if we lose yeah. till to this fucking virus yeah so. that's a whole different episode too but when we lose some of these big musicians man it, it kills me you know i mean it, again whole other episode but some of these people are you know even if I've, ne- I've met a lot of these uh famous musicians but even if i've never met anybody the, you know the what they write the way they do their art they're yeah. like you know friends of yours if, even what? if you've never met them man exactly. when they pass it, it's 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 hard you know especially the last three or four big ones have been completely by shock All right. with how fast some of these artists went out of nowhere. Like if you're just regular Joe Blow and, and Nana's in poor health and she's passing, like you have time to pre-reconcile yeah. with that. Like you yeah. can go see her a couple more times and whatever. And then when you get something like just happened with Edward Van Halen, where out of nowhere at 65 years old, we all just get told by his son that he's just not here anymore. You know, yeah. that blindsides you. And it's a really well, hard know, thing to deal with. And it's funny because um, the – at the day, as as of this recording, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction for 2020 aired on HBO last night, and mm-hmm. I watched it because I watch it every fucking year. I mean, whether I like the artist or not, I tend to watch it because it's just it. Yeah. It has actually turned me around on a few bands in the past. So I mean, that's another reason why it's another reason why I used to watch behind the music all the time because that would turn me around from time to time. But regardless, um. Much like the Oscars, they do the immemorium during that ceremony. And like this year, some of the names that came across the screen that I'd forgotten that had passed away, I was yeah. like, son of a bitch. <laughs> like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, I think, I think the yeah, one we, that. We, we lost some big ones this year, man. And, and it's only, you know, because of time, it's going to get worse here yeah, in the next. No, for sure. You know? And I, and I think the one that got me the most was Rick Ocasek. Like I forgot, mm-hmm. Rick, like I remember, like I remember that it happened once I saw his name, but I was like, fuck, that's right. We lost him. I mean, Eddie, of course they mentioned, and I'm not downplaying that, but that's still no. pretty fresh. Like I remember that that took place, you know, mm-hmm. but Rick Ocasek and, and some of these other people, I wish I could remember names, but you lost, you lost two guys from the same band. I forget what I remember the band was, but like two guys went down in this year. Like it was just nuts. I have to assume they mentioned uh, John Prine passing as well. Yes. He passed uh, earlier this year. Yeah, Yeah. it was was not not a good one. And it's going to we're going to keep going on that route, unfortunately, in the next several years. Of course, you know, especially for guys like you and I that have been, you know, listening to you know, listening to music as long as we have. Some of our favorite artists are just getting up there in age and you're just, Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, the fact that that all of the stones are still kicking. (laughs) It's, yeah. <laughs> you know, amazing to me, but it, well, it's, it's only a matter yeah. of time, you know, same thing, a bit at the same time, we have what we have, we have what they call, it's kind of like you were saying about the Black Crows, we have what they call the Who, but I, I wouldn't call it the Who anymore, no. when you're, when you're mm-hmm. down Keith Moon and John Entwistle, yeah. you're not the Who anymore, you're, yeah, one, once we lost Entwistle, I was like, okay, we're done here, <laughs> so, anyway, what's your, what's your third? Uh, I, where I'm still on number four. Oh, I'm sorry, four. What's your four? Uh, My bad. I did I did number five, and you did five and four. So you're I'm right. On four. You're right. Uh, and I, believe it or not, there's a million things to say about my number four, but there's so much that has been said about him. I really don't have to go on that long. Is okay. Prince? Who? Uh, a Prince. Okay. I mean, the guy, his output is insane, and just the albums that were re- studio records that were released in his lifetime is in the 30s. It's like yeah. 33, 34, 35, something like that. Yeah. And 
the i mean you know there's the stuff that everyone knows like purple rain and in 1999 and all that but the diversity that he got into into the 90s is insane i mean there he put out a full jazz record in 99 called the rainbow children and like you know like people don't even know that you know and this is this is an artist the only thing that irritates me about prince is once he passed all the talk since then has been um Oh, well, did you know how much music Prince has in the vault? And it's like, do you know how many records that guy released that most people have never even listened to yet? Yeah, yeah. You know, so before you worry about what's in the vault, why don't you go back and pick up, I don't know, one of the 20 records he released. in the the dude, the year the dude passed, he put out two studio records. And I don't know anybody that bothered to listen to him. Yeah, you I know? mean, I, I, I don't know. Prince, Prince never just, I never, I never got on board. I never sat there and shat on him. Like I never sat there and talked shit or anything. Like I, I rarely talk shit about artists anyway, unless I just flat out have a reason not to like them. And Prince never sure. gave me that reason, you know. Um, kind of like you're like with Creed. You don't really go anywhere. You've got that one group, you know. What I mean, and it's fine. Right. But um, but yeah, the one thing, the two couple things I can say about Prince on my end is, I do think he was a criminally underrated guitar player. For um, sure. I, sure. I do I do recognize how good of a guitar player he was and and mm-hmm. I think he's known more for his songwriting which is also a, you know on par but he's not known as well for his guitar playing ability I and think he should be Yeah exactly exactly um and then uh the other two things I can say is that Kevin so I'll start with this cuz Kevin Smith actually Prince reached out to Kevin Smith to do a documentary oh, on yeah. Very on familiar him. with the story, yeah. And it, it never came to be for a lot of different reasons. And oh, I've seen, I've seen Kevin tell the whole story. Yeah, so have I. And and I, I, the best thing I can tell our audience is if you search, Google search Kevin Prince, I'm sure it's going to come up because he's talked about it on like three of his podcasts, and I think it's on YouTube too. So, but, you know, he even doesn't have a bad thing to say about the guy. They just kind of just walked away from what I understood about it. Like, there wasn't really right. like a whole lot of bad blood or anything. But the thing that he also talked about that I've also heard other people say was that Prince was, to your point about how much he recorded, he eventually had a point where he could literally like be in the bathroom and just plug his guitar into the wall and start yep. riffing, and it would actually record it down in his studio. Mm-hmm. And And that's how often he would like, just come up with ideas and start writing shit, you know? Yeah. The whole house was wired for sound, uh, to where it literally, if he was walking down the hallway and got some idea, he could like hum it or tap it on the wall or whatever. And it would pick it up and be recorded so that he could use it in the future. So he would never lose an idea. That's, that's insane like in the best way, but that's insane, you know? And one thing to touch on that Kevin Smith deal too is, uh, because a lot of people, you know, they, they watch that story for the lulls and, you know, and they, Oh, isn't Prince weird and, and crazy and whatever. And it is an entertaining story, but soon after Prince passed away, Kevin released a video, um, kind of walking that back a little bit and was real emotional in the video and talking about how, Yes, everything in that video happened, but he shouldn't have put it out there like in a funny way, like genius is genius. And he shouldn't have, you know, been picking on a guy. But one thing that Kevin Smith said in that video that really resonated with me is he was like, I always thought that I'd get a chance to like talk to him in person and be like, hey, if you saw that video, like I didn't mean anything by it. Like I was just sharing a story. And he's like, I now I'll never get that chance to tell him that, See, you know, I wasn't trying to be malicious. 
Okay, so maybe I need to clarify because the, the version I'm talking about is what you're talking about. The post death, he he then okay. he then told the story again and added okay. those caveats and explained that part of it. So that's that's the part I was talking about. Right on. Right um, on. Yeah, because there was one out for years before Prince passed yes, away. Yes, more you, more meant in like a comedy. Type. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm talking about right around the time Prince died. He he recorded a bunch of different episodes of his podcast and and I think a YouTube clip where he. He, like you said, he kind of taught walked it back, but it wasn't so much walking it back as just kind of more explaining it. You know, right? Kevin, Kevin will also tell you without getting into a whole thing that he early on in his career was a lot more angry. So like when yeah. that thing happened, he, he he took it the wrong way, and as he got older, and to be honest, a little high because he didn't. He, a lot of people think Kevin's been smoking weed his entire life. Not true. He's only been doing it for like the last like. 10 years, I think it is yeah. now. Um, and once he kind of got to look back at it from a different perspective, to your point, he, he he was like, no, this guy was a fucking genius. We just didn't see eye to eye creatively, and that's whatever it is, but it doesn't make yeah. him bad. So, exactly. no, yeah. Um, but that's the one I was talking about, not not the original video. Yeah, I was talking about where he, he, he spoke very highly of Prince, not negatively. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I do with Prince, the thing for me is, even if you don't like it, and like you said, you got to respect the hell out of it. Like, the diversity alone, um, it, 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 there's literally Prince material for everyone. Like there, he, I mean, like I say, he put out a jazz record. I mean, there's, there's albums like the gold experience that has like six different genres on the same record, you know? And so it's just, and, and done well, it's not just like, (laughs) you know, like, you know, like there's a, there's a reggae song on diamonds and pearls and it's done. Like, I don't even like reggae music and it's in, I like that song because he, he does it well, you know? So anyways, like I say, there's a million things that have been said about Prince and in my opinion, they're, they're all true. Uh, my number three moving on, uh, and it's funny cause I'm the opposite of everybody with this particular artist. Uh, my number three is Elvis Presley. And okay. for me, Elvis's career doesn't even start until 1970. Like I'm big on 70 to 77. That's and the, just, just for the, and I'm not, I'm not even making fun or talking shit, but that's like the quote unquote fat Elvis era. Is that? Uh, well, you know, of course I could go on about this. He really didn't put on weight until like 74, but no, I, what I refer to it as it's it's the concert years. It's I'm basically just, where he stopped where he stopped putting out uh, studio records really and focused more on touring all the time. Oh yeah, and the only reason um, why I brought it up the way I did is because like in, again, you and I've talked about this off air about like with Metallica, you've got people define old Metallica versus new Metallica, and same kind of thing ha- happens with Elvis. There's there's like for this, sure. yeah, so that's just trying yeah. to give a and that's and that's yeah, that seventy is generally the division when people say quote unquote old fat Elvis, they mean the seventies, but the dude really didn't put on weight till later. But I've always been of the mind too. Like I personally, uh, the weight doesn't play into the music at no, all for me. No, you know? of course not. Uh, like Annie Wilson has one of the best voices in the history of rock. And somehow people always find a way to bring her weight up. And I'm like, who gives a shit? Yeah. Her voice is crazy good. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but anyways, for me with Elvis, you know, the dude prior to 1970 had a hand in uh, the creation of rock. He didn't by any means create it, nor did he ever claim that he did. He, sure. A lot of people think that he claimed that he did, and he never claimed that. No, Little Richard um, did that. <laughs> with Chuck Berry, Little Richard. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole host of other people that, that created it. But what Elvis did do is bring it to the mainstream. 
and really get it across the nation faster. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now we could discuss all day long uh, that happened because of racial issues, but they weren't Elvis's fault. You know what I mean? Like Elvis did not create the racial divide in the U.S. He he genuinely loved that music and was bringing it to the masses, not ripping it off. And if you even if you like Chuck D, you know, one of his most famous lyrics is, uh, 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 you know, Elvis was a hero to most, but the sucker was straight up racist to me. Years later on an Elvis special, Chuck D totally walked that line back and was like, I didn't. Yeah. And he said, I didn't even know. He goes, as far as I knew. He went into a place and saw that music and was like, I'm going to make money on this. And he's like, if you do research on Elvis, you find out that wasn't the case at all. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, but right after that initial period of um, creativity, the dude made 33 movies. Um, and I've never seen one, but I assume they're all exactly the same. Uh, you know, like uh, a mechanic who who happens to be able to sing and gets the girl, you know, or, uh, you know, <laughs> right, a race driver right. who happens to be able to sing and gets the girl. And all 33 albums are, you know, he's got 33 uh, soundtrack albums and they're all terrible. And from, but from 68 till uh, 77, when he passed, he was so much more creative with his, um, uh, song choices and the way Mm. that he could take a song and really turn it into something else. And, you know, it's one of those things where the biggest strike you can bring against Elvis is, oh, well, he didn't write his own songs. Well, there's also a lot to be said for someone who can take something and put a whole different feel on it. And the biggest compliment that I think I can express to people about how good Elvis was at that is you take a song like Bridge Over Troubled Water by Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. And Art Garfunkel has one of the most signature vocals, male vocals in the history of rock on yes. that cut. And if you talk to Paul Simon, Paul Simon will tell you he'd rather listen to Elvis's version from 1970. Like the guy well, who it, wrote it, that lyric will tell you that he'd rather hear Elvis sing it. With, but I have to ask, and I think this is a fair question to ask, is that because of the contentiousness between Art and Paul? Because for no, years no, no, they no, no, no. fucking no, because hated it, it each wasn't other. like, I'd, I'd rather have Elvis sing anything than that guy. You know, it wasn't anything like that. It was okay, that, okay. that song specifically. Okay. Uh, Paul was talking about the way Elvis sings it is like the way he heard it in his head when he was right. writing it. Well, I just so, I just ask because you know how much they for a long time they were like you know button heads sure, sure, sure. And those yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. So, but Elvis's song choices between like seventy and seventy four um, are just amazing. Like he uh, he was doing songs Neil Diamond wrote before Neil Diamond got big. Like Elvis was plucking these songs out of nowhere. Like he would just hear them mm-hmm. and go you know, damn it, that's a great song, you know. And so he would he would cut it, and then he helped you know break guys like Neil Diamond. Sure. Um, he wrote songs or he sang songs that the Bee Gees wrote well before. I mean, six, seven years before the Bee Gees hit. He yeah. was singing songs that they wrote. By the way, you know? there's going to be a I don't know if you have HBO, but they're doing a I saw last night. There's going to be a documentary on the beat on the Bee Gees on uh, December 12th. That looks really fucking intriguing. Like, I'm really excited I'm, to watch that. I'm sure it'll be great. Yeah, so. I'll definitely watch that. I'm sure it'll be fantastic. But. And so for me, like same thing, like Elvis, just from his song choices, there's nothing that he's ever put out that, you know, I, I've ever been like, and like you said, there's stuff I'm not in the mood for sometimes. Like I don't always want to hear Hound Dog or, or whatever, you sure. know, but you know, you take something like Elvis live at Madison Square Garden, which is a live record from 72 in the first five songs that dude covers, um, CCR, Three Dog Night, Dusty Springfield, um, and uh, there's another big oh the Righteous Brothers in the first five songs of the concert. I would be very curious to hear that. <laughs> in, yeah, yeah, in a good yeah. way. I mean, you know? it's 
it's it's it's a stunningly good concert. And and as a side note, just uh, to give you an idea of the what Elvis was up to at that time, it's the recording is one show of five that he did at Madison Square Garden yes. over two days. Yes. Yeah. He he sold out Madison Square Garden five times in two days. He That's, did three shows one day and two shows the next day. That's you know insane. So. Yeah. Uh, so that's my number three. Again, a ton has been said about Elvis, but I think I have a unique perspective on sure. him. Like a lot of people, pretty much Elvis. For most people, Elvis is fifty six to sixty eight, and then they right. want nothing right. with after that. So, yeah. uh, so that's my number three. What do you got for your number three, bro? Well, before we get to my number three, I actually have a couple of things I want to say, kind of piggyback off what you were talking about. I, mm-hmm. you know, like you, you, and I'm not. You were talking about how people shit on him for not writing his own music, but like. How many fucking artists out there today have ghostwriters? Like, I mean, current oh, artists that yeah. that are that are talented artists. I'm not even talking about shit people. I mean, I'm talking about talented artists. That just um, the one that comes off the top of my head. I know she writes some of her own stuff, but I know Pink has people to write stuff for her as well. Like, it's like a combo deal, but still, like, but she's insanely yeah. talented as well. You know what I mean? At least in mm-hmm. my eyes. I mean, I wouldn't put her anywhere in my top five. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, yeah. I, like that happens all the time, and and people renown some of these other artists. So don't don't shit on Elvis yeah. for it. I mean, that's for sure. stupid. Yeah, uh, Pink. By the way, sidebar: Pink bums me out because she is way more talented than her music would lead you to believe. Agreed. Agreed. One thousand yeah. percent. Like I, I, I had an argument. I, so if you you, you want to look quick history story, or you? Yeah, 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 dude. I got time. Go. So. I used to have a show before Potaskew called Running the Hamster Wheel. I've brought it up a few times on the show, whatever. And it was me and uh, my friend's wife were the two co-hosts. And we're all, unfortunately, no longer friends. But she was a huge uh, Pink fan. And we, we did a a recap of the Grammys in 2014, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And Pink performed. And she did a lot of this, like, rope dancing yeah, stuff the, that she yeah. does. Acrobatic and, stuff. Right, and she's insanely talented at that as well. But the thing mm-hmm. is that as a result, because she was so focused on that, she was lip syncing. Now, unlike a, like a Millie Vanilli scenario, it's her recording. She's lip syncing herself. So Right, right, right. Yeah. So I'm not accusing her of doing anything false, but she's so talented, she could just sit there and sing and not need to do all the rope trick stuff or the acrobatics right, right. and and kill the performance and and that was my argument you know and then her argument was well people pay you know like 200 dollars a seer they want they want more than just her standing there on stage singing and i'm like i don't i would pay you you know see the raw talent yeah um but anyway uh, that's the the thing and i can't take credit for this line but somebody somebody i know said it once and it's brilliant the the problem i have with pink is that her lyrics sound like you just walked through a a hot topic and read all the (laughs) t-shirts Yeah, a little bit. I can't argue yeah. with that. Yeah, and like I think she is an infinitely better singer than her material would Agreed. lead you on to believe. Agreed, one hundred percent. Yeah, I have to ask you about one other thing you brought up, just because I'm curious, and it has nothing to do with Pink. And then we'll move on to my three. I don't mean by now you've probably heard all about cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. You might even already be investing in them. But did you know that you could invest? 
invest in cryptocurrencies through your retirement account? That's right. With iTrust Capital, you can buy and sell cryptocurrencies from a crypto IRA and get all the same tax advantages as a traditional IRA. iTrust Capital allows you to invest in over two dozen of the most popular cryptocurrencies, and unlike the stock market, you can buy and sell 24 hours a day. The iTrust Capital platform is easy to use and only takes a few minutes to create your account. Setting up an IRA is free and iTrust fees are low. It's time to start taking control of your financial future. With iTrust Capital, you can get all the tax benefits of a retirement account while investing in crypto. Visit iTrustCapital.com to start investing today. That's iTrustCapital.com. Taxes and conditions may apply. Fees apply. Cryptocurrencies are a speculative investment with risk of loss. iTrust Capital Inc. does not provide legal investment or tax advice. Consult with a qualified legal investment or tax professional. There's a new way for corn growers to maximize yield potential with all new MX Series Corn by Stein. The product of decades of research and expertise in advancing corn genetics, MX Series Corn provides Stein's most robust seed package ever for faster starts, vigorous early growth, and protection that lasts all season long. Take your yield potential to the max. Learn more at steinseed.com. Stein has yield. I keep going off on these talent tangents, no, but I love this. I love this conversation. Um, you mentioned bridge, bridge over troubled water, mm-hmm. um, and I, I have a feeling I'm about to come in sacrilege with you, but we'll find out in a second. I'm curious about your take on the disturbed version from a couple years ago of Sound of Silence. Oh, Sound, Sound of Silence. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. Um, I didn't hate it, but I didn't think it was amazing like everybody like everyone i know texted me or posted on my facebook wall and was like oh my god you gotta hear this and i was like that's just okay like i, I think disturbed's version of land of confusion by genesis is a hundred times better than I, their version know, I, of sound of silence i agree and i'll even take it a step further and i think their version of shout is even oh yeah totally even better fantastic fantastic cover um but i don't think it's bad by any means i just don't think it was as good as everyone told me it was well, before see, i heard it and I, I can't defend anyone else to reach out to you. The only reason why I would give it as much praise as it sounds like other people did is because that's not David Draymond's wheelhouse for vocals. And right, and right, for right. that alone, he killed it. You're right. Mm-hmm. As a whole, it may not be the greatest cover that's ever been done or by them for that matter. But for for David Draymond to stretch himself the way he did to to attempt that song, I think was yeah, pretty impressive, yeah. you know? So anyway, yeah, I mean, you get respect for, if for nothing else, those lyrics are the quality of lyric we haven't heard in probably, I don't years. know, 20 or 30 years. Yeah. yeah. And, May- and uh, maybe longer. If nothing else, I'm, I'm all about his fans being like, holy shit. You know, like who yeah. knows how many people went and listened to Simon and Garfunkel after that. And we're like, holy shit. You know, I met, I met him about 15 years ago and I don't, have you met him? No, he he didn't say much, but he has those problems with his vocals with with uh, the acid reflux. So I think he and mm-hmm. it was pre-show. So I think he was trying to like save his voice. So I respect that. But he's tiny, like he's mm-hmm. built like a brick shit house. Like he's he's buff. Like I wouldn't fuck with the dude, but he's like he's like five two. <laughs> like he's really short. It was really kind of surprising to see how small he was in that regard. Anyway, um. My number three is where we're at, I think. I think so, yeah. Yeah, because um, you just did your three, right? Elvis was your three? Yep, yeah. I okay, did, so, I did uh, four and three, so yeah, I so got we'd, two and one left. So it would be my three and then two, I believe, is where we're at yep. here. So my three is one that, and we may not talk about this too, too much, because I think it's going to come up a lot on your next on our episode on your show, but my number three is Alice in Chains. Oh, right on. 
Um, I, uh, I just this last Friday when I tried to uh, join your get vocal and there was a whole yeah. audio mess going yes. on because of us down here. Yeah. Uh, as soon as I returned to the table, the next record that came out after that was Allison Chains Unplugged. Ah, uh, yeah. See, the Unplugged is good, but and 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 I'm not shitting on it by any means. I think there are better Unplugs out there. Um, I, I think Nirvana's Unplugged is amazing, and I and I personally think Nirvana's a way overrated band, but that Unplugged is crazy good. Um. Uh, I liked Pearl Jam's Unplugged, Aerosmith's Unplugged. I, I liked them a lot better than the Chains one, but it's still, it's got its high points for sure. Don't get me wrong. Mm. Like, I'm not shitting on it, but I think there are better ones. But Alice in Chains as, as a whole, that dual vocal with Lane and Jerry Cantrell. And so I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I got to ask this before we go on about this. Please. So when you say Alice in Chains, are you including the devil put dinosaurs here and, uh, Ah, uh, crap! Blood. Uh, for what's the other record they put with out the, with, with uh, the new William singer? And, yeah, with William uh, Duvall on vocals. I, are you, I, I, or do you consider Chains to be through uh, when Lane passed, or or? No, I don't. I don't consider Chains to be through. But to be very fair, I haven't heard much of the William Duvall material. Um, okay. so I am basing it solely on the the Lane okay. Jerry years. But that's. But the look, I think I've heard one or two songs. I couldn't tell you which albums they came off of with William Duvall, but he he sounds like a good fill-in for Lane. Like you're you're never gonna be Lane, but like I I don't I don't think until I can deep dive into it. But I don't think that there's gonna be anything I'm gonna hear that's gonna make me suddenly be like, no. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah, you know, um, because. The sound sounded the same. The The vibe of change is still there. You know, William Duvall sure. doesn't sound exactly Lane Staley, but it's got enough of that same vibe right. to it. And, mm. you know, but there's only one Lane Staley. Like, Lane Staley's got one yeah. of those voices that's so unique that, mm. you are you know, there's there's artists out there, and you you know it better than I do, I'm sure, Ross. So there's certain, certain artists that are, like, interchangeable throughout through. I hate to say it, but, like... Brian Johnson replacing Bon Scott, I can't tell you where the line is. You know what I mean? Like, if you just put on a Bon Scott song and then a Brian Johnson song, I very rarely can tell you where, if which one's which. Sure. You know, but, and that's not the shit on Bon Scott, but I mean, do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, no, I totally get it. Yeah. I, what's weird, what's weird about ACDC is you can usually tell if it's Brian or Bon based more on the style of music than the tone of the voice like with bond they were more of a bluesy rock band and then from uh brian on it's like straight arena rock like right, but if, isn't so if it if it sounds like you shook me all night long then it's then it's brian if there's any blues in it then it's bonds <laughs> right but correct me if i'm wrong and and i might very well be because like i said i've struggled hearing but because i have trouble delineating the voices tnt and dirty deeds are two different bond. right oh they're both, no, those bond? Are both bond scott Okay, they're both Bond. See, I always thought that TNT was Brian Johnson and Dirty Deeds was Bond. I mean, he's done it on a couple of. Oh no, he's records, he's done it multiple times. Like I've yeah. I've the ACDC live from ninety River Plate or oh uh, yeah, I forget what yeah, year. Yeah, ninety one, ninety two, whatever. It's just yeah, called ACDC it, Live. Yeah, it's that's an amazing fucking live album. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and they do both songs on that. On that album, I'm on that live record. Uh, Back in Black was uh, recorded here in Detroit uh, for go. that live record. Okay. See, that's the other thing I hate about live. Well, maybe that's for another conversation for another day. But I hate when they piece me all live album together. You know, I um, I get it, and I don't. I understand why some bands do it. 
Um, but yeah, I, 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 I probably, overall, I probably like live records that are like one place, one time, but, uh, I, I don't have a problem with them piecing it together, but I know that particular ACDC one, I think every song on it is from a different city on that tour. See, that's the thing. Like I, what I don't mind, let me give you a quick example. Like Metallica did live shit, binge and purge back in 90. Two, I think it was ninety three. That's all uh, Seattle and Mexico, right? No, the 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 audio, the video is Seattle and Mexico, but the audio okay. from the CD or the cassettes, for those of you old enough to know what a cassette tape is, sure. uh, <laughs> are all from the Mexico shows. Now it's five nights in Mexico, and I don't think it's all from one night. I think they pieced it together, right. but it's all pieced together from that that stretch yep. in Mexico City, as opposed to you know two from Mexico and two from. LA and two from Seattle and you know what I'm because saying? Because of like, that record, I can't hear from whom the bell tolls without going uh, okay, Mexico City! Hey, 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 hey! Like, just be, because Nashville. of that live record. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But, I mean, you get the point. Like, at least that's all tied together from, like, the same yeah, yeah, stretch yeah. of shows. Um, that I'm okay with, not just Metallica, like, anyone. If anyone did it from, like, that that kind of thing. But when you, like, if Slipknot did that with 9.0 live they did like some from arizona and some from i think it's like chicago and it's a great album but it doesn't have the it's missing the continuity that i want in a live album right right no i can do that yeah um but anyway that i like in excess has a fantastically underrated live record um that was recorded all throughout their european tour okay and like with that they they were just like at the pinnacle of their career. And they were like, we want to show these, you know, enormous crowds, like, you know, show it's kind of like a, this is how we spend our summer type live record. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I get that, but then there are other artists who, um, really can't piece together one truly great show. And that irritates me. Yeah, you know. no, I, I agree. I mean, and, and there's a lot of artists that, and I'm sure we could do a whole other episode on it, where, like, their studio work is fucking fantastic, and then you go see them live, and you're like, oh. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, which is a shame. And I'm not even picking on, like, pop artists. Like, that's there's plenty of rock bands that do that shit, too. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, getting back to Alice in Chains, uh, to me, Alice in Chains is very much like what you were saying with Prince, in that they could do a bunch of different styles. Maybe they weren't as diverse as what Prince did, you know, going from like reggae to jazz to what. Like they're not going to go that far. But like Wood is a super fucking heavy song, mm-hmm. and then you get Heaven Beside You, which is nowhere near there. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I was just talking to because uh, we played the Chains thing the other night. Right after that, I have the. Uh, seven inch single for grind. Okay. Um, yeah. which is just a monster, monster riff. Like, like yeah. grind is a heavier song than wood. Oh, sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I and, just pulled one off my head, but yeah, I agree. Well, no, and, and, but my friend that was sitting here, I said, you ever stop and think about the fact that this came off the same record as heaven beside you, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. Like, there's this song that kicks off this record with, with the thickest guitar tone I've ever heard in my entire life. You know, gung, gung, bada, gung, gung. and then like yeah. three songs later, be what you want to be. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, what like, the hell? Like, ex- and then, in a good and then, way. And then you, right, exactly. And then you got like, you go from no excuses to angry chair to, and then like fucking rooster. I mean, roosters. Bones, rooster. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like it. it so they they can go all over the place with their music. They can go from you know place to place and and. And every one of them still captivating in its own right, you know what I mean? At least mm-hmm. for me. And you know, I remember, I remember 
when they announced Lane died in, what was I think, 2001, 2002, I was in my car with a friend getting gas. I will never forget it. And I had the radio on, and they're like, Lane Staley's body was found, you know, he's yeah. been there for like five days or whatever it was. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. You know, I was more affected by that than when Kurt Cobain died in, what, 92, 93? Four. Thank you, Deb. Um, you know, like it, it, you know, and, and people were lining up to honor Kurt and it's like, oh, Lane Staley died, you know, like, oh yeah, it, it, it broke my heart to see that honestly. So no, it, I, yeah. And well, again, you could even do a whole episode on just Lane, uh, the way that he went the, the last years of his life. Yeah. Uh, just, just awful. Yeah. Awful. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, and and, I, and again, when we were listening to that Unplugged the other night, uh, when we were listening to the song Down in the Hole, I was like, this is oh. everything you need to know about Lane Staley's life in yeah. one song. Yeah. You know, you don't it's have to a- watch behind the music. You don't have to watch a biopic if they ever make one. All you got to do is go to Spotify and look up Down in the Hole by Elson Chains and you will hear why Lane Staley isn't with us anymore. It, it's beautifully haunting is what that yeah. song is. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> oh. and that, the version on Unplugged is. Oh, yeah just moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what that's what I'm, I I don't dislike the unplugged. I just think there are better ones that were put together. You know what I mean? Uh, but, yeah. I, I hear you. I, uh, I for me the unplugged gets a lot of points because of uh what a sheer feat of humanity in the shape that he was to even do that whole show. Oh yeah. So <laughs> You yeah. know, uh, that plays into it for me as well. Like when Aerosmith, Aerosmith's unplugged, and it's funny you brought that up because I just mentioned that the other night, and everybody in the room was like, Aerosmith didn't unplug. And I was like, Yeah, it was before it was big. They, it was you one know? of the first ones, I think. It was one yeah, of the first ones. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was in, for sure within like the first five. And, uh, you know, Aerosmith was at the top of their game when they did their unplug. Sure. You know, it was between, between Pump and uh, uh, Get a Grip, you know? Yep. And yep. Their, their set list is fantastic. The fact that they open with Hangman Jury is is killer on yep. that unplug. But Aerosmith's at the top of their game. And then you turn around and you see Lane, who's like barely able to sit in his chair and still puts on an epic performance. Yeah. You know, it just, it's it, that to me gives like more points to the, performance you know from, from that perspective i agree 100 yeah. percent. but from the overall like i guess set listed you were saying you know starting with the hangman jerry versus you know like the way yeah. the way that mm-hmm. you know the thing starts i think um, that's why uh, nirvana's unplugged gets more points like if nirvana had come out and did you know uh teen spirit and in bloom you know and and uh, come as you are and, and all the hits it would you would just go oh well and then nirvana didn't unplug but the fact that they did uh those three Meat Puppets covers in a row, the Vaseline's covers, uh, the uh, Lead Belly Belly cover that ends it, the Bowie cover. um, And I mean, and you still get, uh, you know, about a girl, all apologies and uh, and come as you are. But the the magic that comes from that unplugged is the fact that that record could have come out and everybody could have just been like, the hell are these three Meat Puppet songs? You know, but they <laughs> the songs are so good and the performances are so good that you it just flows right along with yeah. the unplugged. You know, yeah, so. no, for sure, for sure, and that's and that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm I'm not the world's biggest Nirvana fan, but that that album is it's fa- it's fantastic. It's yeah. a really really solid unplugged. Um, it's one of those things that I bet has ended up on a million overrated lists, and all of those people are wrong. There's yes. nothing overrated about that record. Mm-mm. Just because someone owns. Uh, just because everyone owns something doesn't automatically make it overrated. I agree. 
I agree. Um, there are some there are some instances where that applies, but it doesn't. It's not a blanket statement. For oh, sure. for sure, yeah, it absolutely yeah. applies to a lot of things, but it doesn't apply always. Right. You Agreed. know, like, like rumors by by uh, Fleetwood Mac is a masterpiece. I don't care that everybody on Earth owns that record. Weren't they? Like, weren't it, they, it's not overrated. Weren't they handing that out with like Tide samples back in the sixties? Like, just mm-hmm. here, here's your Tide. Here's rumors. Like, <laughs> yep, yep. You got them both together in the mail. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a Wayne's World line, isn't it? The old uh, yeah, the uh, Frampton. Uh, do I have that one? Uh, I thought that came in the mail with uh, samples of Tide. Yeah, I think it was Frampton Comes Alive with the album they were referring yeah, yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. Sorry. Um, actually, I'm, I think it's amazing you caught that reference because most people I say that kind of joke to, and it's like, Phew! so. <laughs> yeah, well, I do. I mean, it's the music thing. All the music jokes in both Wayne's World movies are fantastic. Yeah, just fantastic. Yep. Yeah. What uh, what do you got for your number two? Okay, number two, I cheat. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, <laughs> number two is a cheat because number two is a band that I used to manage. And it's a band oh, okay. called Dublin English. They're a local band here from Jersey. I genuinely believe if they could have gotten past their own bullshit, which is the story of almost every band that's ever existed. <laughs> I mean, yep. yeah. Could have... Could have been something. Would they have been like the Beatles or the Stones or Metallica or or what? No, no. But they they they'd be doing pretty good. You know what I mean? Sure. Like they they'd be they'd be um, New Order. They'd be uh, Depeche Mode. They'd be mm. the Cars. Like and that level of like constant performance and long-term recognition and and have those diehard fans that would have just followed them to the grave do you know what i mean yeah. like they're, they're how that... much how much material did they put out one album's worth of material um okay. i ask because i have a friend's band who was i'm very much the same way in the 90s they put out a record that i feel the same way about like if they had gotten past their own bullshit and whatever they could have been a big deal, and they only put out the one record, but every song on it is fantastic. Well, they only put say they said this again. This is where the cheat comes in, right? Because they only actually put out an LPs where I think it's an LP. I always get an LP and EP wrong, but it's only got five tracks on it. That's but, an EP. Okay, thank you. But yep. but I they have an album's worth of recorded material that yep. I have because I was their manager, so I I got to hear it all. Do you know what sure, I mean? I and you. I and I still own it. And they have covers that they did. So I'll I'll just rattle off the, the three covers that I've heard because I think you all appreciate this. Um I'll start with the, the least good of them. Because <laughs> it because they didn't get a lot of time to practice it and they only did it once live, but we recorded the live show, so I mm-hmm. happen to have that recording. But they did Soft Cells Tainted Love. Oh, right on. Um it was Okay, I think I think if they'd gotten a real shot with it, it would have been way better. But that's what yeah. it is. But the two that they did consistently and really practiced, and I'll start with another one that's a little more well known. You'll know it better than anybody, I'm sure. But Faith No More as the worm turns. Yeah, yeah. And they kill that song. Kill that song. You remember the tweet uh, the other day about um, covers that you like as good as the original or better mm-hmm. that you responded yep. to and then I piggybacked off of. Mm-hmm. I wanted to put those two songs on there, but nobody would have known what the fuck I was talking about. Right, so, absolutely, yeah. Because um, then they also did, not tainted, not the soft solo, but the other one I'm about to mention. So how well do you know Joy Division? Oh, better than I want to, actually. Okay. <laughs> 
I, I guess that means you don't like them too much, but that's fair enough. Um, I, I, let me put it this way. I have substance like everyone else does. And then I have at least two friends who are ride or die Joy Division. So substance is enough for me. Gotcha. But through them, I've heard way more Joy Division <laughs> than the average person has. So, so you've heard New Dawn, New Dawn fades? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they look. I, I I get it, but no, their version of New Dawn Fades is way fucking better, way yeah. fucking better. And I own I own copies of As the Worm Turns and New Dawn Fades, like the originals, and I don't dislike them. I don't, but the dubbed in English versions were so much. But did I not say the name of the band? I don't think I said the name of the band yet. <laughs> it just occurred to me. I don't think I said the name. The name of the band was called Dubbed in English. Okay, you did say it at the top, but did I think I? we were talking okay. at the same time and I missed it. All right, yeah. Um, and they they were just amazing. And and honestly, you know, Russ, when we're done here, I'll send you the EP if you're curious to hear it. Yeah, yeah, for I would, sure. I would love for you to hear it. I would love to get your, your take on it. Um, based on what you said about Substance, I, I don't know if you'll like it too much because Joy Division is one of their primary influences, for sure. Um, they're not as... Um, angsty as joy division was though because joy right. division's a little like oh life is terrible they, they joy division was emo before emo was a thing really is what joy division was at least in my opinion <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with mickey d's breakfast the perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Where's Ralph? He's over there, hogging the hell of a good dip for his big game ritual. Oh, boy. Hey, Ralph, can we get some of that, too? Yeah, yeah, soon. Almost done. First the carrot, two taps and dip. Then the celery. Ah, yes, now the chips. All dipped in creamy, hell of a good dip. Mmm, delicious. Yes, it worked! Get the dip made with real milk and cream that wins every time. Not just good, hell of a good. You know, so... Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I get you. Um, and, and that's not what dubbed in English was, but you can definitely hear influence from them, and you can hear influence from uh, the Sisters of Mercy. Is another band that's heavily influenced, mm-hmm. yep. and I I love me some sisters. I don't know if you're, how familiar you are with those guys, but I uh, very, 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 and one of my uh, Joy Division guys is in a band that covers like Sisters of Mercy, Joy Division, like all that stuff. Like to, oh, okay. like today, to this day, they're right. still out doing all those covers. Well, I think the sisters are still performing. They just so rarely come to the States from what I, and right, why, yeah. and why yeah. I don't know, because it's not like what we talked about with Rammstein earlier, where they've got this massive like stage production. From the little bit I've seen of, of the sisters when they play live, it's just, it's exactly what we talked about. They get on stage, they play their instruments, they sing their songs. <laughs> you know, like there's not... Right. All that craziness. So, um, but yeah, so dubbed in English is, but, but they still meet my criteria for just having the one set of material. It, and, and I know it sounds like I'm playing favorites because I manage them, but no, it's not. I think this is a band that if I never put in a second's worth of work with, 
I still would have yeah. been like, I love this fucking band. Yeah, you I know? felt the same way about my buddy's band in the 90s. You know, we were always close. We're always helping them with promoting shows and all that stuff, too. So, you know, you always it's a, it's almost like your podcast. You know, when you're promoting your podcast, you're like, oh, my podcast is good. You should listen to it. People are like, mm-hmm, yeah, of course you would say that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and so friends, you know, extended friends of mine would always be like, well, yeah, of course you're going to say they're great. You know, these are your friends and you're always trying to promote their band or whatever. But I was trying to promote them because they were excellent. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it, like I, I have not I've had plenty of friends that are in bands that I have to be the one to be like, mm, no, this is, this is not all that great <laughs> yeah. guys, you know? Uh, I, I, but they, I did have the one friend who put out that one fantastic record that really would have been a, a big deal if, if they hadn't shot themselves in the foot over and over and over again, you know? Uh, did you want me to move on to my number two or were you uh, still going on your three no, or wait? No, that, no, that was your number two. two. I'm sorry. So yeah, it's your turn. Go for it. Right on. So uh, this is another artist that uh, a million uh, it's the genius has been talked about a million times. But uh, for me, number two with a bullet is Michael Jackson. Um, Now, there's a separation here, though, because I don't love everything the Jackson five did. So I do. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah. But I. I mean, I, you know, I uh, never can say goodbye. Uh, can you feel it? Uh, the love you save ABC, all that stuff. I, I, I like, I, I like all those songs just fine. Uh, but I don't love all the Jackson five material or all the Jackson's material. But from when that cat went solo from really, I mean, his first big commercial solo record was off the wall through uh, invincible. And there's been one and a half albums put out since he passed, but uh the work while he was alive off the wall through invincible is just, I mean, you know, I mean the, the, the sales numbers speak for themselves as far as off the wall thriller and bad go uh, dangerous as well. And then I think history and invincible are just insanely underrated. And every single time that I play invincible for someone, which was his mid two thousands record that just got buried by Sony from a promotional standpoint, Every single time I play that record for somebody, they're just like, this, this music is brilliant. Why have I never heard this before? You know? <laughs> and, uh, if I ever post about it on social media or whatever, the, 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 the most diverse people come out of the woodwork and like, oh, for example, on the podcast, uh, Twitter account or Instagram account the other day, I posted a picture of invincible cause we were listening to it, uh, down here and, like the most metal dude ever came like his profile picture and all his pictures were just metal as hell liked it and left a message on or left a comment on the picture and was like, Oh my God, what an underrated record. And then named three of the best ballads on the record. And I just thought that was so cool. Like, that is you know, awesome. Like, yeah. You know, something somebody you wouldn't think of. So I don't have to go on. Everybody knows like the genius involved in uh, the music aspect of Michael Jackson and, but but I will say that I think that history and Invincible are two complete archives of music that most people haven't even looked into that yeah. you would be stunned at how good those records are. I you know, and and Russ, we've talked about this a little bit off air and I, I certainly don't want to get into it tonight because I think it's just too big of a topic to do in this little bit of a conversation. But like I've had trouble separating the art from the artist in this instance because Oh, I don't think you should. Um, I don't think you should. Well, no, because like I had a conversation on. You mentioned get vocal the other night, and before you got there, we were we were talking Sean Connery, and Rico brought up a thing that Sean Connery 
had said in the set in the seventies, I believe, in Playboy, and then doubled down. Well, not doubled down, but stuck in the behind Walters it. Interview, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you know what I'm talking about? Where he mm-hmm. said it was yeah. okay to. And so, like, our friend Mark was like, "Well, yeah, you separate the art from the artist, so you can still like the Sean Connery movies, but you don't like have to like the man." You know what I mean? So. Well, I don't want to. I don't know. I know the same thing everybody else knows about, you know, within hours of Sean Connery passing, everybody was in a hurry to share all that stuff on social media and be like, oh, but this was a bad guy. And that's all I know. So I don't I I can't really comment too much on that. But I will tell you that the easiest way to get out of this conversation in a quick fashion is um, for me. What Michael Jackson was accused of is the worst possible thing that you can accuse a human being of. Sure. And for me, mentally, there is no way to separate the art from the artist with respect to that. Uh, okay. There is there is no song good enough to separate the artist that made it from abusing small children. Right. For and me. I, and, and I, having, no, I, having said that, and this is not an argument we need to get into right now, no. I've done enough research to where – and now this is just me personally. Sure. I feel that Michael Jackson is not only innocent but was the victim of one of the worst almost three-decade-long now mistreatment by the media and the general public. Um, but I, having said that, I totally see how other people – people could feel another way so you know what i mean i it's you know it's it's a it's a huge long discussion but i what my point is i'm sorry i don't mean to keep talking over you my my point is i don't ever want someone to go oh well that's just a michael jackson fan so of course he thinks he's innocent it's not that at all no and i and i will i will back you up on that i will defend you on that because you and i've had enough private conversations that i know where you stand so i first off i'll back you up that that's not the case and i also back up the fact that i i know you agree that the the shit the the shit he's accused of is fucking terrible i know that mm-hmm. about you and i and i will back your play there and my only point for bringing it up was not to put you in a bad spot so i apologize there buddy no that's fine my point for bringing it up was that you know I know a guy who's very much like your friend you were talking about, you know, metal to the core, like, and he loves, he loves that, like, death metal, metal that I can't stand where it's not the cookie monster screaming into a microphone. Like, I don't, <laughs> yep. I, as much as I like, I like metal, that's, even, even those bands, I love the music, but the vocals kill me every time, and it just sure, destroys it. Um, but he loves that shit, and he will tell you that Michael Jackson is one of the best musicians to ever grace the planet so like that's what i'm saying like and he can look at stuff like remember the time and you know um billy jean and you know i'm i'm blank what's the one where he's a gangster in the video and it does the lean um smooth criminal thank you smooth which is one of my favorites which pisses me off that i couldn't remember the name but like (laughs) i can i can look at those songs and I used to love those songs, and then and then all this other shit came, and it's become very hard for me to to listen to those songs I used to love. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, and I get that. I, if you if there's any doubt in your mind, you know, or not you, anybody, sure. Um, I, th- for me, there should never be a separation as far as that goes. Like if there's if there's any doubt in your mind, then I, I, if you're running around listening to Michael Jackson songs, like I think you need to take another look at how you judge things. You know, like, yeah, right. Exactly. That, you know, yeah. yeah. I, my fandom remains unchanged because from 93 on, I did my own research. Um, 
you know, and I, you know, this, I just recently interviewed his nephew on my show and I told his nephew flat out to, to his face on zoom that I was the first guy in 1993 to go, Oh, Oh shit. Oh Christ. (laughs) Right. right. Because here's a guy who's always around children with a billion dollars and all the security in the world, you know, yeah, it just made total sense. And I told his nephew to his face that, that, you know, but but, but then I did research and I was like, Oh, okay, wait a minute. This is, this is all bullshit, you know, but having, I'm not even here to argue that my point is I, I, I totally get how somebody would go. I don't think I can listen to that anymore because you sh- you should. There's, in my opinion, there's no way to separate that artist from that act if he was guilty of it. Right, and then and I was I'm glad you brought up the interview because if you hadn't, I was going to because I I you know I know you put a lot of hard work into both your research and that interview and and people should go listen to that. And if you're on the fence or you want another perspective, go listen to the fucking interview because because yeah. Russ handled that shit like like a champ and you know I've, I've heard two of your interviews so far and both of them thumbs up dude right down. Man, thanks. um so yeah I, I i will i will back your play there russ if i need to like don't you know right on. um you, you and, want to uh you want to run through some uh honorable mentions or I, did you have yeah. more on mj no 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 i I'm, i think we're, i think i think we've covered that more than we probably should have already sure. so yeah uh I don't even have to go off on all these. I'll just say some some that I looking at it, I think I do like ninety nine percent of the material by all these artists. But okay. the ones that made my honorable mention was yeah. uh I had run DMC and and I hate to do this to them, but I put run DMC slash early eighties rap, like uh Grandmaster Flash, LL Cool J, the first Beasties record. Yeah. Because I was already diverse uh in my musical tastes by the time I heard run DMC and I want to say like 83 or something. And then run DMC and all those artists at that time opened me to an entirely new area that I'd never heard before. So I can't, I can't say that I love every song on every run DMC record, but I, man, the songs that I love, I love, you (laughs) You know what I mean? Have you heard? um, So I don't know how much you know about, I mean, you dude, you've got a wealth of knowledge and I respect the fuck out of it, but do you know DMC's adopted as well, right? Mm-hmm. And yes. recently has found his family as well, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine did the uh, did the music for that documentary. Oh, well, that's awesome. But yep. one of the things he also did was that he and I think Sarah McLaughlin got together and did took the music from Cats in the Cradle and kind of did yep. this other song. It's crazy good. If you've not heard that, I mm-hmm. highly recommend my buddy, it. My buddy played on that. Oh, no <laughs> so, shit. All right, there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Yeah. All right. Yeah, no, a, that's a great track, though. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. What else you got? A uh, couple other ones on here that I had. Um, Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, yeah, was it? it, it, it yeah. Near, near, yeah. Not, not top five, but damn it. You know, Ozzy, yeah. Um, in which you got slash Black Sabbath on that. Can I wait before before you move on from that one? I gotta ask, what's your what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite Ozzy album? Um, the first one that always springs to mind is No More Tears. Yeah. Um, I think No More Tears is is is, is brilliant. I think it's his now, best. I think it's his having, best album. Having said that. Every Randy Rhodes fan that might be listening just raged and was like, but the first two records, like I'm not at all discounting Ozzy uh, or Randy rather. But, you know, I mean, if you look at No More Tears, you know, Lemmy Kilmister wrote most of that record with Ozzy Mm -hmm. and, you know, like I bet most Ozzy fans don't even know that, that Lemmy 
wrote mama i'm coming home with ozzy so you have like the two most metal dudes ever this guy from motorhead and this guy from black sabbath writing mama i'm coming home the only way the only way you make that more metal and it would never happen because as far as i know they didn't like each other but if you had dio involved as well, like i mean um but yeah so for me ozzy is that what's your favorite ozzy record it's the same one yeah it's just such a monster album it's it's, It's such a monster album it it so all right can can I pull back the curtain for the audience a little bit on on sure. you? Because on some st- I know some stuff that nothing bad, but I know some stuff that I don't know if you want shared. But we both worked for the same company around the same time. I think you were in a different division of the same company. But I when I worked for Goody, did you guys have in if you can remember? Were you there in two thousand two? That would have been right around when I started. Okay, so did they have the top 20 albums of all time around Christmas? Like someone up yeah. in corporate decided they put it up on the wall? Yeah. I, my job interview, you'll love this, I think. I think you'll appreciate this. So um, I don't know if I've shared this with you, Russ, and if I have, then I'm just going to say it again real quick. I have a disability. I have a physical mm-hmm. disability. So at the time, I was collecting disability, and there's a whole bunch of rules when you're collecting disability about how long you're allowed to work, how many, how much money you're allowed to make all that kind of jazz so when right. i went to get the job i i waited i didn't just fill out the application and just drop it off with some associate like i waited till the manager was available because i wanted to have a conversation because the way i filled out my availability looked like well fuck this guy like if i was gonna hire right. i would have been like yeah. no so i wanted to explain it to the guy and and whatever and so i did and then he started talking to me about music and we talked for like 10 minutes. And I can't remember what that part of the conversation was. I, I, I wish I could. I would tell you. But it was right around around Christmas and that wall was up. And he goes, come here a minute. And he go, I go, okay, what's up? And he says, tell me what's wrong with this wall. And I went, this goes here. This goes there. This is, uh, and, and No yeah. More Tears wasn't on the wall. And I was like, No More Tears should be there. You know, like this, that, like, um, I think Soundgarden's... Uh, was it what unknown? What's that sound? The album with Super, um, unknown. Super Unknown was up there. I was like, nope, you should swap that out with Alice in Chains, Jar of Flies. Like, I was doing all kinds of different shit. And, but I brought Ozzy's No More Tears was one of them. Like, I was yeah. like, you know, like the same thing. They had, they had Metallica's Black Album. I was like, nope, Mester Puppets, you know, like, sure. you know, that got, so, and, and that got, that's what got me the job. And I ended up nice. working there. But, but, but it made me think of it because I did bring up that album because that album is just so so monstrous you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like anyone that's getting into metal like here listen to this album for sure yeah i mean the the way it kicks off i mean then all the stuff you you already know from the radio and everything i mean it's 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 fantastic Uh, you know one of my favorite songs on that album believe it or not is i don't want to change the world oh yeah damn that that that, i saw saw him uh the first time i ever saw ozzy was on the no more tears tour I always got to make sure I say that right. Uh, the No More Tears tour back in '91 or '92, and uh, he opened with "I Don't Want to Change the World," and it was it was bad as hell. It's it's such a the the riff that riff mm-hmm. is just killer. It grabs you and like Mister Tinker Train, yeah, Mom, Jim. I'm coming home. I don't want to. Ch- I mean, like uh, Desire, Sin, Zombie Snap. I mean, the record's out of control. Yeah. I mean, and if I'm right, Zach, that's Zach's, is that Zach's first album? For sure. That's yeah. Zach's second record with Ozzy. Second record. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was and, on uh, No Rest for the Wicked and then, and then really came to the dance on No More Tears. Like No and, More Tears is really the one where he shows off. 
And and to your point, yes, all the Randy Rhodes fans are probably like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? No, we know how talented Randy Rhodes is. There's zero... I don't think either of us are saying that he wasn't no. talented. But they did not make an album like this. You you got songs like Bark at the Moon and, and Crazy Train and things like that, but you didn't get an album that was from front to back that yeah. good out of... With time with Randy. Anyway, and I'm sorry, if, dude. You if got you're gonna, if if you're even gonna enter a Randy album in the discussion, it to me it's not gonna be Blizzard of Oz. The only Randy record of the two that I would put up against No More Tears is Diary of a Madman, the second one. That record is fantastic front to back. Yeah, but I still think the songwriting is stronger on No More Tears than it oh, is yeah. on Diary of a Madman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Plus, then in Randy's defense, Randy didn't really get to finish Diary of a Madman the way he wanted to. Anyways, what you hear on Diary of a Madman is. Um, more or less like his first takes and whatnot. And he didn't never really got a chance to go back and um, do like overdubs I don't say and... fix fix isn't the right word, but yeah, he didn't get a yeah. chance to go back and do more. He actually did a couple of interviews after he recorded the record and before he passed it, indicating that he wanted to go back and redo a couple of things and he didn't get a chance to. So yeah, I, yeah it, it, I'm sorry. It's just in front to back. It's, it's, it might be one of the best. It's, it's one of the top five, if not top 10 heavy metal albums of all time. No, I agree. So. Uh, as far as other honorable mentions, I had uh, the Mighty Mighty Van Halen, of course, uh, yeah. Garth Brooks. Uh, probably the one that would shock most people for me, and part of it is because they're so criminally underrated, is uh, the Culture Club. Culture Club okay. is a way, way, way better band than most people know. I believe it. I, I can't speak to it, but I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. They Their first two records... There's not a bad song between the two. Their 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 third record is exactly what it uh, it sounds exactly like what it is, which is a band that got too big too fast and had access to all the cocaine in the world, um, <laughs> you know. And then they're the definition of that band that just kept shooting themselves in the foot for like the next fifteen years, a million false starts and too right. much drama and too much shit. But they just put out a brand new record like two years ago, and no one knows about it. It's called Life, and every song on it is fan. Fantastic, like excellent. They're still making music. Yeah, they just put out a brand new record like two years ago. Shit, I didn't know that. And every song now, the old, the big thing is Boy George. Obviously, everybody ages. His voice is a lot lower now than it used to be. Yeah, but um, it's got a soul to it now that he didn't even have when he was young, and he was a really underrated soul singer. There were a lot of um. Really good, uh, what they call blue-eyed soul. You know, basically the way, the nice way to say white soul singers in the uh, in the eighties. <laughs> right. um, you know, Daryl Hall, uh, uh, George Michael, and Boy George is never in those conversations. And he family, it looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. Who am I? Naomi is the new hit series that's got all the buzz. You have power I've never felt before. Critics are calling it unbelievably charming. Captivating. A delight to watch. Casey Walpole couldn't be more perfect as Naomi. You ready? The question is, are you ready? Get ready to see why. I don't know what is happening to me. Are you a superhero? Superheroes aren't real. What if they are? Naomi. All new tonight on The CW. 
tonight at 9, only on DCW 50, Washington CW. Absolutely should be. Mm. Because, you know, most people know probably, do you really want to hurt me? And uh, Karma Chameleon. I would urge everybody to listen to a song from back then by the Culture Club called Time Clock of the Heart. And if you don't walk away from that song thinking Boy George is a fantastic soul singer, then you shouldn't listen to soul music anymore. You know, like, you know fantastic. You know what's a good song from that era? I'm not saying this is some phenomenal band like you're saying with, with Culture Club or anything, but but I think Too Shy by Kajagoo is underrated. Oh, that's, jam. that's a great fucking song. Um I there was this thing on VH1. Do you, I, I wish I could remember what they called the fucking show, but they'd go find these bands that have broken up like fifteen years and get them together for one night. Did you do you remember this show? Yeah, yeah. I forget what it was called. I, honestly, God, I think it was named something simple like reuniting the band I, or I something it, like that. It was wanna, a VH1 show. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to agree with you. I think that's what it was called, and they did it with Kajagugu, and it was like. Wow, that was really fucking impressive, you know. And I was like, yep. you know, I don't know. VH1's, anyway. VH1's actually the the uh, one of the times Culture Club shot themselves in the foot. VH1 threw a ton of money at them and convinced them to do a VH1 Storytellers in okay. nineteen ninety nine, and it is fantastic. It, it's one of my favorite live albums of all time, and it's just the they played a couple of new songs that were amazing they did all the songs everybody knows and then and then instead of capitalizing on it they just went ahead and shit the bed and didn't put out a record and like broke up again and you know and it was one of the times where a culture club could have had something and didn't and a lot of those bands that they reunited for that could have done something too and they all came together for that show did the one thing and then bounced yeah out, you know? it's a sh- it's a shame when bands do that but it is what it is um you earlier you had mentioned, and I don't know if you want to mention this during this period or you want to wait till after we're done our list. But you mentioned the three albums that were um, clearly not live albums, and they like, mm-hmm. you know, do you want that to tell? Everyone do you thinks want, they are. You want to tell us what those uh, are well, now, or do yeah, you want to yeah, save it, that? It fits in here because my last honorable mention is one of the culprits. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so the number one record that everybody thinks is a live record. Uh, and it's, it's arguably one of the largest selling live records of all time. And not one note of it was played in front of a crowd is kiss alive. The first, uh, kiss alive record. I wish I could tell you I'm surprised by that, but yeah. I'm, I'm not at all. Yeah. <laughs> every note of every song on kiss alive was recorded in the studio. Furthermore, Ace Frehley played almost none of the guitar on it. There's a guy named Bob Kulik who, uh, ironically, is the brother of Bruce Kulik, who would eventually replace Ace Frehley in Kiss. Yeah, yeah. And is a a way better guitar player than Ace. Um, (laughs) Bob Kulik is playing most of the guitar that you hear on Kiss Alive. And everybody reveres that as one of the greatest live records of all time. And first of all, not one note of it was played in front of a crowd. And second of all, it's not even the four guys playing the songs. On that, that see that, that just makes me hate kiss more than they already do. Yeah. I don't I even mean, hate kiss. I have a strong dislike for them. Um, there are, I think there's some cool stuff in Kiss's catalog that most people don't know about, but the main, let me put it this way. All the reasons why, Diehard Kiss fans love Kiss. Fan- Kiss is why I don't like them. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. The only so. Kiss song, the only Kiss song I actually really like, and it's not going to be what you expect. It's not like um, Rock and Roll All Night or or one of the. You know, it's God gave Rock and Roll to you. I love that. That's that's a great song, and and uh, that's on one of their records that's fantastic that a lot of people don't really pay attention to anymore. They had a record called Revenge. 
and God gave rock and roll to you is is on that record. Okay, and I, I think it was in Bill and Ted first, but anyway, it's so, on that uh, Bill and Ted Bogus Journey is where I know it from. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, but that record is fan. There's two Kiss records that I play for almost anybody that goes, oh, I hate Kiss. One is Revenge, and the other is this one from the late '90s called uh, Carnival of Souls, and. Everyone mixes it up when I say that. It's not Psycho Circus. Psycho Circus is the shitty album they did when the four of them got back together. Yes. Carnival of Souls is the record that was supposed to follow Revenge. And when they got back together to do their reunion, they totally shelved this album that was cr- creatively excellent. Okay. And they were like, well, never mind. We'll just, you know, go do the easy route and make all the money. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and it just recently got reissued very under the table. Like Kiss was like, oh, and also we did Carnival of Souls. And we got put out. <laughs> but it's like, dude, I'll tell you this. Go to Spotify or whatever. Bring up any song on Carnival of Souls by Kiss and yeah. you, it will take you the whole song. You, the whole time you'll be like, this isn't Kiss. Like that's how <laughs> different it is. Like it's okay. totally. I Let me put it this way. I have it on vinyl. And I play a guessing game with people all the time. I put it on and I, I give them like four songs. I'm like, can you tell me what band this is? And nobody yeah. has ever got it right, ever. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, but anyways, moving on. Moving on. So this one's actually got a, a a cool story about at least one of the four members of the band. Um, the Van Halen live album, they only have one. Well, they have two now, official live albums. And the one that blew up that was huge for them was live right here, right now. Yes, yes. Not one note of that record was Fuck. performed live. But hold on, hold on, hold on. There's a very cool story attached with it, though. Okay. So, uh, you know, they got off tour, and uh, uh, Sammy and Alex, or uh, I'm sorry, Alex and Eddie went into the studio, and they started doing what almost every band does, tweaking this, tweaking that, sure. whatever else. One thing led to another, and they had re-recorded the entire record live literally like re-recorded right. the entire record in the studio not even with michael anthony playing bass like they, like eddie just played the bass and then played his own guitar parts and alex redid the drums and all that shit so here's the here's where the, the story gets cool sammy absolutely refused to go in the studio and redo the vocals like like you would cut vocals one line at a time right you know like one phrase at a time so what sammy hagar did was he went and got hammered like he would pre Van Halen show went into the studio, put the cans on and they played the live record and he sang it straight through while he was drinking all in one take, because that's what it would have been at the Van Halen concert. Right. So it's like, instead of it being absolutely perfect, like when you listen to that record, Sammy's voice starts to like wear as the album goes on, like and sure. he doesn't quite hit the notes exactly right. And it's yeah. because it was as live as he could make it. Okay. You know, I mean, like, that, that, excuses it a little bit <laughs> well it makes sammy sound cool yeah yeah no well i mean like you and i had this conversation when it when eddie passed you know i'll take van hagar over you know david lee roth any day that we well it's two totally different bands in my opinion yeah two no totally agree agree yeah but I mean, completely different sounds you and, know? and i think we both agree that the gary sharon's kind of underrated to be honest like as an artist gary sharon is insanely underrated with van halen it could have been better <laughs> well they they rushed the album if they hadn't rushed the album it probably would have been better yeah. correct if they if if the rest of the album was anywhere near as good as that first single the song without you yeah uh it, it, the the potential was there yeah for sure so anyways the last one is uh and these this is a double culprit this band has two live records and not one note of either live record was uh Put well, hold on. The entirety of one of them is the same thing as Kiss Alive. 
it was okay. recorded in the studio and then they just added <sighs> underneath it. Yeah. The other one, liter- not just from different nights of the same tour, but like the guitar part was taken from this one city. The drums was taken from this other city. Oh. And then, and then the lead singer <laughs> did the opposite of what Sammy did. He went in the studio and re-recorded everything literally line by line. And they didn't even try to mix it in well to where it sounded like it was part of the original concert. And uh, that band is Guns N' Roses. Their record, uh, Live Like a Suicide, oh, that okay. came out before Appetite. Not one note of that is live. Um, you know, and- I hate I, I hate to say it because I'm pretty certain I know what your number one is. But that does not surprise me in the least. You know? GNR is not my number one. No, uh, just GNR. No, they were in honorable mentions here. GNR is oh, in my uh, honorable mentions. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, but their live record that came out in, I want to say, 01 or 02, uh, 01, 2000, 2001, they, they have a record called Live Era. And it's like the gu- Slash's guitars are taken from like Paris in 92. The drums for that same song are taken from like a performance in 1993. <laughs> All of the vocals in the entire record are completely done in the studio by Axel. Like, and it and it's not even mixed well. No, like it's. I mean, and it's just awful. And what sucks is that GNR, like any other band, had off nights, but they were on fire in ninety one, ninety two, and yes. ninety three. They could have picked yes. damn near any show and put it out, and it would have been considered a classic live record. Right, agreed. And they just fucked it up so bad that like people like me, I can't even listen to that record. And I love GNR, but I yeah, can't yeah. listen to that record because it's done so fucking poorly. Yeah, that that would pain me. I hear you. So those were my honorable mentions. What did you bring any to the table? Honorable the only, mention wise, the only one I have really that I can think of was I know would be to tell you what my th- remember I told you I replaced three with Allison Chains. It used to be a different band, um, yep. but I you know now that I'm sitting here, I can think of at least one other. So I will give you another one, but I'll tell you my re- number three replacement first, and then I'll give you the other one. Um, Lincoln Park used to be my number three. All right on. I love those first two Linkin Park albums. Sure. I can listen to them indefinitely. They're just yeah, amazing. Um, Chester Bennington might be the best vocalist of the last 20 years, without question. Um, they, I actually, on Meteora, when you get the... I bought the bonus edition of Meteora, which didn't come any extra music, but it came with like a DVD of making yeah. the album. Have you seen mm-hmm. that or no? Because if not... Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So you saw where they put Chester's voice into an oscilloscope, and you see he's singing it two um, octaves simultaneously. Right, yep. That's insane that he could... And, and, and the, the thing that's even more impressive about it, not just that he did it, He's not doing it on purpose. It's right. just the way that he's saying. Yeah, it's just a, a sheer talent, like the yeah. raw talent. Yeah, that is an amazing thing to me. And and mm-hmm. and I, I'm all for bands expanding their style and trying new things. I'm I'm not against that per se, but they just went so far off with minutes to midnight that it, and they've never steered back. They never turned back into the swerve, you know, like, and quite honestly, and listen, I, I may end our friendship right here. I don't know, (laughs) but I think I know the exact reason why. And it's, and it's two words. It's Rick Rubin. I think he's Uh, overrated. I think he's fucking terrible. I think the, I mean, so here's what here's what I think on, about wait. Rick Rubin. I think he's underrated as or, or overrated as hell. I think he's made some good albums. 
Blood Sugar Sex Magic is a phenomenal album. I won't um, argue with well, that. Well, I mean, the first Beasties record, Blood Sugar yes. Sex Magic, the work he did with um, John Cash. You yes. Know, I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's not like the man hasn't hit a few home runs. No, no, and, and everyone's going to. You know what I mean? But it, like, but and then like, people people act like if Rick Rubin produced your record, that it's just gonna automatically be gold. And Rick Rick Rubin has put out plenty of shit. No, I agree. I agree. And right around the same time, he did Minutes of Midnight by Linkin Park. He did Volume 3, The Subliminal Verses from Slipknot. Mm-hmm. And he did Metallica's Death Magnetic. Yeah. And I heard Volume 3, Subliminal Verses, which actually, for Slipknot, while it's probably their weakest album or one of their weaker albums, it's not terrible. Like, it's still listenable. I actually right. enjoy quite a few of the songs off that album. Um and then um, Subliminal Versus is Death Magnetic. And then Death Magnetic, I was I was like, he's going to kill Metallica. Like, yeah. I know people feel like Bob Rock killed Metallica, and that's another debate for another day because I can see the argument, and I can, I can argue for it, and I can argue against it. Like, I can go both ways with that, right? But, sure. But I'm thinking to myself, like, Rick Rubin is going to destroy... My favorite band of all time, which spoiler, there's number one. But you know, <laughs> like it, you know, and and dude, and it, you got wait, hold on, you got to be giving them a, a a pass on your own criteria then, because there's no way you can sit here in front of God and everybody and tell me you like every song on Saint Anger. Actually, I do. Yeah, dude, that's not that's not real. <laughs> it's not real. That's not real. No, it's real. It, it, dude. Dude, no, I'm not. Now, I want to be clear. I think you know me well enough to know I'm not that guy. I'm not just going, oh, you know, let's hit the low-hanging fruit with St. Anger. Like, I tried so hard to like that record. Well, let, let me, let me, we'll, we'll get there because I want to finish with the honorable mention. No, because I, sure. I want to have that conversation. I, I'm 100% on board to have that conversation with you, Russ. Because I, 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 if there's anyone on this planet, and I, and I, I know I sound like I'm just like, blowing you here but like like, if there's anyone on this planet i want to have the conversation with it's you because i respect where you stand musically and i think you respect where i stand so i think we can have that conversation Mm -hmm. and even if we agree to disagree by the end of it it's going to be a good conversation so i want to get there but um i i I just i think i think you know he he ruined what was best about lincoln park i think and i don't think they've ever i don't think they've ever came back and it sucks because Chester was so good, and that's why I was so glad when Chester joined STP, because then I got a little bit... It wasn't the what I liked about Linkin Park, but I at least got to hear a little more of Chester the way I wanted to hear Chester. Sure. You know, yeah. and then again... I actually have uh, Chester's autograph on a STP poster, like, 10 feet from that's me. Awesome. Like, I have a promotional thing from when he was in STP, and they all signed it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I have one buddy who's a huge Wyland guy, and he's like, oh, it would have been cool to have Wyland signature. And I'm like, all right, well, I have a Velvet Revolver poster, and I didn't even have Wyland signed that the night I met him. So, like, that'll, that'll tell you where I think of Chester versus Wyland. Yeah, I mean, I listen, I think Scott's a good, I think Scott's a great singer. I think he had a lot of fucking problems, but that's a different conversation altogether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I can't, I can't sit there and boost Lane Staley and then shit on Scott Weiland when they basically sure, share sure. the same yeah. problems. Um, anyway, that's that's a different conversation too. But you know, uh, and then like I said, they just never came back. So Lincoln Lincoln Park was my number three, and then Minutes of Midnight, and I gave it a try. I did. I bought it. I've run through it multiple times. I still own the album technically, yeah. but I don't. I well, very there has to come a point where you throw in the towel. I've done that with more than a few artists where I'm like, I should stop trying now. Like, and I, should, like I, even, I should like this by now. 
I even gave him a chance and went back with Hunting Party, the one that came out a couple years, I think it's called Hunting Party, from a couple years ago. And I was like, all right, because I'd heard a couple singles, and I'm like, all right, maybe this is kind of getting back to where I want my Linkin Park to be in. Sure. It's not. It's the, the, the singles I heard are, but the rest of the album is not. Um, another, uh, so other honorable mentions, one would be Slipknot. I could give you Slipknot. I'm, I'm, I'm quickly becoming more and more a fan of that band as time has gone on. I, I don't know that I could put them on the list because of the criteria that I set. Cause I, there's sure. a handful of songs I'm not a big fan of, but Corey Taylor might be one of the best front men to come out in a long time. He, he is just phenomenal. Um, he doesn't have the singing capacity of Chester, but his abilities are still fucking amazing. Yeah, you know, we have a um, uh, Kyle that's on our show loves him some Slipknot. I, oh. I'm they're neither here nor there to me. I don't dislike them by any stretch of the imagination. I really I don't like. I mean, Corey Taylor's got his hand in I don't know five or six different things, and sure. I don't really dislike anything that I've heard from them. Uh, but I haven't really loved anything I've heard from them either. Uh, but Kyle, who's on our show, he loves him some Slipknot. Yeah, so I would I would look forward to meeting him and talk to him about it. But anyway, there's that. And then I think the last one, and this one's a little more of an underrated one, but I, Collective Soul is a fantastic fucking band. This is hilarious. We literally just listened to their record the other night, too, on Friday. Which one? Uh, the, uh, the first one, because the second one's not out on vinyl. Okay. All right. Uh, and then, but I love their uh, the lead single off their third record, uh, "Precious Declaration." That's, yeah, that's a, a great song. Oh. Yeah. And yeah. then there was one off the fourth record that uh, my buddy's band used to cover too. I can't think of the name of it right now. Is that but anyway, better now. Uh, what's that? Is that better now? Is that the yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, but yeah, Col- yeah, Collective Soul, under underrated group. Um, if they're, not- they're they're one of those ones too that I always. Uh, you figure i think just last year they put out a new studio record i think so yeah yeah and i kind of expected it to do i didn't expect them to be the biggest thing ever but i expected it to do a little better than it did yeah i would agree you know what if yeah you you, we've been talking live albums off and on throughout the night um and and one of the greatest live albums in my opinion period is metallica's snm the first one um which we can get into that if you want but in that same vein, Collective Soul did one with the Atlanta Youth Orchestra. Yeah. Um, and if you have not heard that album, go listen to it because it's sure. it's fucking awesome. It's yeah. it's really good. Um, but that's my, it. my I, favorite thing as far as that goes is the people that kicked that off, and most people don't even realize this, but the people that kicked off the whole orchestrated live thing was when uh, Aerosmith played the MTV 10th anniversary special, which seems like ages ago now. They did uh, Dream On with a full orchestra with Michael Kamen conducting. Mm. And you, it's on streaming now, but you, the only way you used to be able to get it was it was on the Last Action Hero soundtrack. Yes. Which, yeah, which was, yeah. you know, you're like, you got to buy this soundtrack, this, uh, this so-so soundtrack for a so-so movie to get this great version of Dream On. You know, now it's just on streaming. Right. But once Aerosmith did that, like everyone else started doing the performances with orchestras and some people do it better than others. Yo, I think, and, uh, I think. Yeah. Kiss did it before that, though. I think. No, did, no, no, no. I assure you, they did not. Sir. Uh, I believe you. I know. <laughs> trust me, I believe you. If you tell me Kiss no, did, I believe you. Kiss didn't do it till Alive Four, and Alive Four came out in like '97 or '98 okay. or something okay. like that. And the MTV okay. 10th anniversary was in like '91. Right, right, right. No, that makes sense. Okay, I was just, I was just, just trying to put the, you know, put the timeline like together. Like all things, Kiss. Someone else thought of it, and then Kiss cashed in on it. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
You know, it's another another good one, real quick. I, I don't, I haven't heard the whole album. I don't even know if they did a whole album, but the Scorpions did uh, "Rock You Like yeah. a Hurricane" with the Philharmonica from. They did a whole record. They did. I've only heard the one song, but the one song was. Amazing. The version of Wind of Change on there is fantastic. Is it? I, I, Wind of Change is a great... Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired their personal trainer as a caterer. All right, folks, let's keep this line moving. You there with the tongs. Picking up one Duchess potato at a time will not cut it at my catering table. Drop and give me 50. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Okay, this is what we call the wild mushroom and asparagus dip, dip, and press. Come on, let's get those plates above your heads. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Who am I? Naomi is the new hit series that's got all the buzz. You have power I have never felt before. Critics are calling it unbelievably charming. Captivating. A delight to watch. Casey Walpole couldn't be more perfect as Naomi. You ready? The question is, are you ready? Get ready to see why. I don't know what is happening to me. Are you a superhero? Superheroes aren't real. What if they are? Naomi, all new tonight on The CW. Tonight at 9, only on DCW 50, Washington CW. It's song, so I'd love to hear that. But I've uh, that's another one of those songs I got back when Napster, and you could, like, grab individuals. Oh, yeah. So I didn't – I just grabbed the song, not the album. Um, So, yeah. All right, what's your, let, let's do your number one since I kind of already gave mine away, and then we'll double back. Yeah, my number one couldn't be any different than all of the artists on my list and absolutely couldn't be any different than my number two. Uh, beyond the shadow of a doubt, with, without any question, Pink Floyd. I, oh, right. I forgot I forgot how much of a fan, Floyd fan you were. Yeah. I have such an affinity for – Pink Floyd has 15 studio records, and I love every song on all of them except for their first one. Uh, I don't like the first one anywhere near as much as everybody else does. I, I get its place in history. I respect it, but I don't like it as near as much as everyone else does from their second record on. They pretty much did no wrong in my opinion. Um, personally, I think the wall is the single greatest record ever recorded by anybody ever. Um, they have the, the first, they did two albums without their main songwriter, Roger Waters. And the first one is uh, probably my second least favorite record of theirs. Okay. But the, the second one that they did without Roger Waters is, uh, is in the discussion with my top five Floyd records, you know, so they had a big bounce back on, on that record. And then I wouldn't put him as a set separate artist, although he is a solo artist, uh, Roger Waters solo output. I love sure. as well. He, he has four, so four solo records and, uh, I love all of them for different, totally different reasons. Sure. But the Floyd is just so diverse. I, I mean, you know, not, not, they never did a reggae song like, like Prince did and they sure didn't do a rap song or, or anything <laughs> right. like that. But right. the, the sheer diversity that you can find on any given Pink Floyd record is astounding to me. Okay. Uh, Especially for four architecture stu- students from England to go writing right, music as right. as diverse as they did, yeah. Um, and you know, there's a reason why Pink Floyd has two of the top five largest selling records of all time. Uh, that fair. being the Wall of the Dark Side of the Moon, and it's funny because the Dark Side of the Moon gets so much uh, praise thrown at it, and I think I think Animals and Wish You Were Here and definitely the Wall destroy the Dark Side of the Moon as far as like the quality of the record. Sure. Um, but they, I mean, they've had such an impact on my life. 
overall. And, 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 and I want to make clear, just like with the rest of my top five, Floyd is one of those things that I get is totally uh, divisive. Like some people love Pink Floyd. Some people absolutely hate it. I don't think I've ever met somebody who's really truly indifferent to Floyd. Like most people have like a, a solid opinion. They either love um, him or hate him. I'm actually then then I think I just broke your record because I'm kind of I'm kind of that guy. You know what I mean? Like I love some of their songs. Don't get me wrong. There's some of their songs I absolutely enjoy, but I could take it or leave it. Here's here's a question I want to ask you. Actually, it's in that same realm. So if you'll you'll entertain me for a minute here, because mm-hmm. I've always maintained that even though I wasn't alive for the time period, that it because Floyd and Zeppelin came out around the same time. If I'm mm. right, so they they were pretty much contemporaries. Yeah, Floyd's first record came out in '67, uh, and Zeppelin's came out in either '66 or '67. So damn near so, the same time. Right, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, and and if you'll if you'll indulge me a comparison, I think they're like from from a contemporary perspective, not necessarily stylized, just contemporary perspective. They're Megadeth and Metallica of the '60s and '70s, right? Because it's yeah, it's, I could hear that. Yeah, right. So I think that, but I've de- determined there's three camps when it comes to those two bands. You either Floyd, you're Zeppelin, and then there's this very small camp that's right in the middle and likes both. So yeah. it's like it's like it's like forty percent, you know, Zeppelin, forty percent Floyd, twenty percent both. And right. I was wondering if you agree with that that breakdown. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know tons of people who definitely prefer Zeppelin to Floyd. Um, I love Led Zeppelin, but I absolutely prefer Floyd to Zeppelin. Sure. Um, I think Zeppelin has a lot of material that most people have never heard, which is crazy for a, a band that only has nine studio records you would think that most people have heard everything, but the average person that considers themselves a Zeppelin fan probably knows Led Zeppelin two and four and, you know, has really never dug into houses of the Holy, like houses of the Holy alone, I think is the, one of the most underrated rock records of all time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you you did stuff like the crunch that's on there. It's, it's out there, man. It's way out there. And and Zeppelin's doing stuff that nobody else was doing at that time. Pink Floyd included, you know? Sure. Um, my preference overall between the two is is definitely Floyd, but I know a ton of people who prefer Zeppelin to Floyd, but I don't know any Led Zeppelin fans that totally dislike Floyd, and I don't know any Floyd fans who totally dislike oh, Zeppelin. Oh, I do. I, I know people that are very on one side of that wall, but but then I also know It's like people... the Stones and the Beatles, man, in exactly. the 60s. You, right. you had to be on one side or the other. Exactly, yeah, and, and I know people very similarly are like that, but I also know people that, that sit right in the middle, and that's, you know, for a long time, I, I considered myself just on the one side, on the Zeppelin side, for sure. Sure. And then as I've gotten older and smarter and more diverse, whatever you want to call it, I've, I've, I've opened up to other, you know, some of the, the Floyd stuff. Um, the other question I want to ask you is a very specific one. And I, I there's no wrong. Well, there's no wrong answer to anything I've asked you tonight, but there's certainly no wrong answer to this question for sure. What do you think of the corn cover of the one, two and three brick? parts of the wall another brick in the another brick in the wall it's decent there's very few floyd covers that i've ever heard that i've um truly disliked i think class of 99 did a better version of brick in the wall with um it's like a super group with uh lane staley on vocals oh i've never Um, heard this oh 
well, by all means, make yourself a note and look this up. The band yeah, was yeah. called Class of '99, and it was kind of a kind of a supergroup of the artists at the time. But Lane Staley did the vocals on it, and they did, it was for the movie um, The Faculty. Do you remember that? Oh, I do. Uh, yeah, I remember the movie. Yeah, I didn't yeah, see it, but I they, remember. I remember it existing. The, they made the song for that soundtrack, and Lane uh, does a great job on the vocals on it. Uh, well, I mean, of course, Lane's going to do a good job on the vocals, <laughs> right, right. but um, I like. I think they did a better job with that song than Corn did. Uh, there's a lot of Floyd covers that people don't know about. Uh, uh, Primus had a EP where they covered uh, "Have a Cigar." From yes. Wish You Were Here. They so do a did, fantastic um, job on that. Who else Who else covered it? Um, Filter. Yeah. I think yeah, yeah. did a yeah, cover yeah, yeah. of that, too. Uh, Velvet Revolver, of all bands, covered Money. And most people don't yes. know that. It was the, fir- it was the first thing Velvet Revolver uh, recorded together before they even recorded the first album. It was for the Italian Job remake yeah. movie. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. I know that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I don't, Floyd's one of those things that's really hard to cover well, too. And I think that's why most people go to the brick in the wall well, because it's the simplest of all Floyd songs to try and cover. What I liked, what I liked about the Corn one, though, is they didn't just do part two, which is the right. the most famous. They took all three parts, kind of. I, I'm sure, I'm sure it's not the right length, like if they had just done the entire thing, right. but they still made a conglomerate that worked. Yeah, if I, I think can, one and three are um, crazy underrated. Like as far as Brick in the Wall goes, sure, like yeah, two yeah, is yeah. great, but one and three are great. So I like, I do like that Corn included all three. Yeah, and one of the things I'll share with you is I saw back in 2004, I was living in Phoenix, and it was the first or second year of Project Revolution, uh, Lincoln Park's thing mm-hmm. that they were touring around. Yeah. And it was the one I went to was the used, I forget the other band, Snoop Dogg, Lincoln Park, mm-hmm. and Corn. And Corn yep. came out, and it was right around the time they dropped the greatest hits with, with the cover on it. So they came out. At one point, did of course they did it, and Jonathan Davis comes out with a torch about this big, and says, "I want to see everyone's fucking lighters up in the air, and you know, like thousands of lighters go up because it's back before everyone's using cell phones." Okay, uh, Ozzy, let me see your cigarette lighters. Yeah. From, uh, no more tears on the live. Right, album. right. Um, and and you know, and what he got the crowd to do was, and this is really what kind of flipped me on both their version, which I already kind of liked, and then the original Floyd version was when they do the the thing that everybody knows from part two, the we where the kids are singing the, we kids sing, yeah. the band stopped playing and the crowd is just singing this back to the stage. And That's right. it was it was it was moving, dude. Like I like I love crowd interaction. I hate when a band gets on stage and just plays the songs you know, right. plays their set and gets off. There's no interaction. There's no letting the crowd come back. That's not what Jonathan Davis did. He 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 handled that crowd, and man, was it it was it was it was spectacular. It That's really rad. Was. Yeah, and with so. a song like that, where it's already a massive hit, and you have a sing along portion built in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, right, you know, right. You know why, what I mean? So not? it was. It, it no, he he killed it. And like I, I can talk about corn. There's things I like. There's things I don't like. I met Fieldy. He was a prick. That's a different story altogether. You know. But um, yeah. But no, man, that's awesome. I I I forgot about Floyd, man. I knew you're a Floyd guy, and I just forgot about that because we've talked G and R so much off and on. Yeah. You know. I, mm-hmm. I. But you're right. I'm not. I'm not stunned that Floyd's your one. Did you have anything more you wanted to say before we moved on, or? They are they are by far the biggest impact on my life of any artist that I've listened to, like far far and away. 
Well, that's fair. I can understand that. Yeah, I mean, and that's and that's honestly the same kind of thing for my number one. That's where Metallica is for me. Do you know what I mean? Like Metallica, yeah. I you know, um, I I got introduced to him through the Black Album, like most people. Did. A lot of people, y- sure. Yeah, you know, um, not people everybody. Say, you, you're you're not saying it this way, but people sometimes that's like a mark of shame for people. The black album is a fucking great rock record. Like it just is. And it is, but see, it, the way I've always defended the black album too, is, is I, me personally, I think justice is the single greatest metal record ever made by anybody. And I understand I, I own ride the lightning. I own puppets. I get all that for me personally, justice is the single greatest metal record of all time. And to me, I did not want them to go in the studio and shit out justice too. Right. I wanted now, them to to evolve, and that's what the Black Album is. It's a, it's them moving to its a different sound, and I'm okay with that. I, no, I agree with you. And and you know, a lot of people get pissed off that Jason got so buried on Justice, but it, yeah. it you know it it. I mean, look, think about what they were dealing with at the time they're recording Justice. They just lost Cliff. You know, sure. they're trying to figure out what they're doing. You're you're talking about guys that are what 24, 25, 26, somewhere in that mm-hmm. window of age. Yeah. You know, they they they've got more money than God already. I mean, think about where yeah. they are now, and even then, they've got it. You know, they've just lost their best friend, and quite honestly, with all respect to Lars and James, you know, but they lost their best writer in the entire fucking band at that point. Cliff's right. Cliff's musical knowledge would rival both of us. Ross, I mean, like, well, his, sure, yeah. He, he, and, Ra- and Randy was the same way. Randy was the musical knowledge in Ozzy's lineup. But yeah, like, like the thing that people don't know about Cliff though is he was classically trained. He almost Juilliard level trained in music same as Randy. Comp- yep. Yeah. Same as Randy. You know, like, yep. it, and so he brought that to Metallica. That's why the music takes such a leap from Kill 'Em All to Ride the Lightning, because right. most of Kill 'Em All, while Cliff did contribute is written pre-Cliff joining the band. That's mostly Lars James, um, Dave Mustaine, and, well, I don't think he gets enough credit on the liner notes, but Ron McGovney is right. is who writes most of Kill 'Em All. And then, you know, I mean, Cliff obviously does anesthesia pulling teeth. I'm not going to sit here and, and, you know, lie, but, like... But then you get Ride the Lightning, and it's such a step up. And then Master of Puppets, dude. Look, it's not my favorite album, and it's not because I don't like it. I just have one I prefer more. more. Sure. But Master of Puppets, going back to that conversation I had about that wall at Sam Goody when I was having my interview, you know what I mean? They had yeah. the Black Album up there. And you're right. It's a fantastic rock album. But see, that's the thing. Yeah, it's, it's a rock, rock record. But it's a rock record, and that's a, maybe a different conversation, too. But Puppets should have out... In that list, because it was supposed to be like all time top twenties, but that list was supposed to be Puppet should have surpassed the Black Album. On yeah, that well, list. my um, thing is the only defense I have for the Black Album is is that that they made four heavy metal masterpieces in a row. The yeah. chances of them making a fifth in a row was small, and, it, but and they, I'm and okay yet with they, them making a rock album. Yeah, well, to and, follow four heavy metal masterpieces, and there's definitely. You know what I'm saying? And it's certainly heavier than any other rock album that came out at the time, so and, it's still. You know, you know what narrative that I hate that's out there among Metallica fans mm. is uh, oh they they sold out with the Black Album. No, uh, did you did you miss when they were already touring stadiums up to that point? They were yeah. already touring stadiums with Justice Man yeah. with no with with little to no love from MTV with zero love 
from the radio. Yep. You know, you you hear uh, uh, Seek and Destroy on the radio all the time. Let me, I'm here to tell you, you didn't hear that song on the radio mm-hmm. before the Black Album. Hit. No, you did not. And no, you did not. So this whole narrative that Metallica fans themselves push of they sold out with the Black Album, they didn't sell out with it. Look, Metallica played the Pontiac Silverdome here in Detroit on the Justice for All Tour. It's a 93,000 seat arena yeah, or, or yeah. stadium. Yeah. They played. They played a 17,000-seat amphitheater on the Black Album Tour in Detroit. So it yeah. sounds like if you're trying to sell out, you did it in reverse. Yeah. You no, know what I, I mean? I, yeah, and, and listen, I, I know you're not necessarily talking to me directly because I don't push that narrative. I'm, I don't – No, no, no. I know yeah, that. Yeah. I know that. Uh, and – I, I had a point I just lost it, but you, uh, I'm the worst. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're good, man. You're fine. It's it's it's. But you're you're right though. I mean, like there's that there is that narrative about selling out, and and I you know it gets even pushed harder when you get into load and reload, mm-hmm. which you mm-hmm. know which I, are two great records again. Lo- two great record re- records. Load is actually my personal favorite. I'm not saying it's the best. It's not. They've got better albums without question. But Load is probably my favorite album. It Listen, I think you feel this way about music the same way. That music can save your life, whether you're playing it or listening to it. Load has saved my life multiple times. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. I was, like, suicidal, but I've, I was at, like... No, I know like, what you mean, though. You know, yep. And, you know, so don't sit there and tell me just because it's different. The only problem I have with Load and Reload is that I saw, and this is nothing to do with what's on the actual albums, I saw an interview with Lars. And yes, I know Lars as a human being can be very polarizing. There's no <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, no yeah. argument about that. I can't I can't defend that cuz there's times I love the guy and there's times I want to punch him in the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's how I feel about Axl Rose. Yeah, and 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 quite honestly, I don't blame you. <laughs> you know, yeah. so um but Lars was talking about load and reload and he was saying that they saw where music was going at the time they wrote the albums and wrote something to fit where mm-hmm. music was going. And that mm-hmm. angered me so hard because up to that point, you were setting the tone. You weren't right. following it. You exactly. Know? Now, regardless, I still think you got some great albums out of it. I do. I mean, but imagine if you weren't setting the tone or you weren't following the tone, but you were setting the tone, what you could have written. Right. You know, Um but it, 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 it they are amazing. Um, to your, to to Saint Anger, let's talk about it for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. I will say this: my biggest problem with Saint Anger is the production. I think but the I, production has got awful. Hundred percent agree with you. Can't argue. I can't argue with it, right? But here's a couple things that I can say about Saint Anger that I at least under. Here's the thing: I understand Saint Anger, and I think that's why I don't hate Saint Anger. You know, um. I can tell you right off the top of my head, there are three songs that came out of that album that are fucking amazing. I still think they're fucking amazing. Um, and they are in no particular order. Sweet Amber, All Within My Hands, and Some Kind of Monster. All three of those songs are just amazing tracks. And to sure. your point, if they had been produced differently, it would be better. Because I've also heard them play Frantic live. And when they play yeah. Frantic live, Lars's drum doesn't sound like it's a keg. It sounds like right. a snare drum. And it yep. sounds infinitely different than it does yep. on the album. Skid Row now, did that same thing with uh, Skid Row's third album. is called uh, Subhuman Race. And they did the same shitty production on the drums. Yeah. And it's unlistenable. But then when you hear Skid Row do those songs live, they sound right. 100 times better. 
Right. And so so here's what I can say about what I know about St. Anger. I, I'm a huge fan of that documentary, Some Kind of Monster. Sure. I can't tell you how many times I've watched it. Because it just it just intrigues me. Even though I know exactly what's coming, it still intrigues the fuck out of me every time I watch it. Right, sure, and, I get that. And one of the things, and I think this was on one of the extras, though. I don't think it's on the main doc, right? They sit down with Bob Rock, and they say to him, why is the production the way it is? Like, why why is it, you know, what what why is St. Anger sound the way that it does compared to the Black Album, Load, Reload, or even the stuff that you weren't on previously, right? Right, right, right. And he goes, I wanted to make a concept album. I wanted to make an album where it sounds like four guys getting in the garage for the first time and putting out an album for the first time, only those four guys are Metallica. Yeah. And and that's the vibe you went for. And it's like any album you're going to hit or you're going to miss. And listen, it's, it's, it, in that regard, it's a miss. You know, right. but do I do I love the album? Do I put Saint Anger on frequently? No, but I can still going back to my criteria. I can put on Frantic and I can go all the way through the end of that album if I'm really in the mood for it. And I've done it. It's it's not right something I do regularly. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle. Is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast? The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. But I can, I can do it, you know. But yeah. I, will, I will go to St. Anger, or not St. Anger, but um, some kind of monster. Pretty frequently, that song yeah. is is um is at the time one of their best songs, and then and then to my shock, Death Magnetic. After Saint Anger, even though they got rid of Bob Rock, and then like I told you my opinion on Rick Rubin, and I saw they got Rick Rubin to come in and produce this thing, I'm like, this is gonna be an ab- absolute fucking failure like this is going to be the end of of metallica this is going to be the end of the thing that i love and they put out an album and i've said this publicly and you're about to like i you know i will put it second to master puppets that's how good i think that album is so the argument that I have against Death Magnetic, uh, I don't like the production at all uh, for totally different reasons why I don't like the production on uh, St. Anger. Okay. It is uh, brick walled to death, which is one of Rick Rick Rubin's signatures. Everything is on 10. And when you have everything on 10, there's no room for dynamic range at all. Okay. And as much as Justice is missing bass, Death Magnetic has zero personality to it for me from a production standpoint. I, I love the songs. Songs are just fine. But from a production standpoint, it's Rick Rubin's got everything on 10 yeah. and it doesn't, there's no room for dynamic range. That's me being super duper ultra picky and very music, <laughs> very music nerdy. Um, but it's why I don't rank the record as high as you do. It doesn't come to a sub, I'm not surprised by you saying that you like it as as much as you do in ranking because the songs are there. I I, I honestly feel in it, 
and not only do I rank it there because the songs are there, but I also put it there because if you go back and listen, especially to the first like three to five tracks of Death Magnetic, it feels like a direct sequel to some of the songs on Master of Puppets. Like no. end end of the line. If I will tell you, it sounds to me like the record that could have come after Justice. Oh, without question. Yeah. 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 And and that's what I kind of like, you know what I mean? Like one of the, the one thing I did see that Rick Rubin did right that that I absolutely like loved. Like I, I get what you're saying with the the brick wall and all. I'm with you, right? I follow what you're saying. I don't. I I can look past it, but I see what you're saying. Sure. Um, but Rick went to James and said, you know, apparently he put on like I think it was puppets, the song, not the album, but the song, Master of Puppets, and he goes, you yelled through this whole song. Why didn't you? Why don't you do that anymore? And right. it, you know, and James because, came because Bob Rock taught him not to. Well, that that <laughs> he blew his vo- he did blow his voice out during the blackout, right. you know. Yeah. And James kind of said that to him, you know, and he's like, "Well, but look, you've had vocal training since then, so you mm. know how to 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 do that mixture. Now you can take your voice back there and know how to protect it." Sure. And and that's what he did, and that's how you get songs like. Broken, beaten, scarred, and all nightmare long, because those are some angry fucking songs. For sure, know? yeah, yeah. Um, now, do I love the entire album front to back? No, because I'm not a huge fan of Judas Kiss, and yeah. and just to give it a comparative, I'm not a huge fan, and I know this is blasphemy to a lot of Metallica fans, but I'm not a huge fan of the thing that should not be from from puppets yeah. like it is it terrible no of course not yeah. but i don't like it as much as everybody else does either my brother-in-law thinks that's the greatest thing that's ever been recorded by anybody no. and every time every my brother-in-law is like the nicest guy in the world um so when we put it on him it was just like oh okay <laughs> you know like i don't want to argue with him <laughs> right you know? you're right but no, but again, I mean, as far as seeing anger and, and death magnetic goes i mean you're talking to a person who with zero irony my favorite Guns N' Roses album by a country mile is Chinese Democracy. And I say that for no joke, no really? irony. Okay. For for real. And I, I can defend we could do a ten part series on <laughs> Chinese Democracy. Probably. Well, because it took and, long enough to put the thing together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jesus. But uh I you know, and, and and for the rest of my life, I'm going to take shit on that. So I totally understand, you know, defending the things that you love that maybe aren't so popular or, uh, you know, everybody else has an adverse opinion to like, I've been, I've been defending Chinese democracy for, uh, the 12 years since it's been released now and I'll continue to defend it forever. You and, know, and, I was, and, I was defending it six years before it came out. Cause I heard most of the record for the first time in 2002. And I kept telling everybody like, this is really, really good stuff. And then it came out and everybody hated it. Well, nobody even bothered to listen to it, but they claimed that they hated it. <laughs> right. And, uh, and ever since then people have been, you know, even Duff and Slash are in the band now, uh, they're back in the band and right. they have played over half of that record live. So they obviously like it too, you know, right. but GNR right. fans just aren't going to accept it. You know? Yeah. Um, now, ironically enough, my least favorite Metallica album is Hardwired. I, 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 I've, I've, I've listened to that album at least a dozen times now. And so hardwired for me sounds like those Bon Jovi records we talked about. I feel like, yeah, I feel like Metallica was like, Oh, death magnetic work. Let's write that again. No, see, but that's, that's the thing to me. It's not that because it's, if if it was that, I would like it. I think, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, I, I, I feel like it comes off as so insincere that it's hard to like. 
I well, yes. I feel like I feel like they're trying, and it might be the same thing you're saying. They're trying too hard. They're trying yes. too yep. hard. Death Magnetic yep. feels natural, and Hardwired, I guess, to your point, was like, yeah, Death Magnetic works, so let's do it again, and it, and it yep. doesn't work. Now, there's some great songs on there. I'm coming around on Man on Kind. Um, Moth into a Flame is really fucking good. Confusion, right. I'm coming around on. So there's some songs on there I'm coming around with. Hardwired, the song is probably the weakest song on the fucking yeah. album, and it I and agree. it was the solo, you know, or not the solo, but the the single. Like, it, I I don't. Here's the other thing, and I know it sounds dumb because when you listen to Metallica live, especially early Metallica, Binge and Purge era and pre. James is cursing every other fucking word. I mean, like, right, that's right. just... And, and and he's kind of dropped that, I'm guessing, because he's had kids or whatever. But Metallica's albums were notorious for being clean. And I mean that in a good way. Because they let the they let the lyrics and the music stand through and without the need for the profanity. I'm not, and I'm not one of those anti-profanity people. No, me. I know what you mean, though. You know, um... And so I mean so, Floyd Floyd was the same way. Uh Roger said the F word I think twice in fifteen Pink Floyd records. You right. know, and re- like it wasn't like, oh, we're anti, uh, you know, we're we're we don't want to use profanity. It was just that he didn't have to. Right. And you same, know, he could make and, his whole point without it. Exactly. And Jamie, I mean, yeah, you get a little bit of it in Damage Incorporated. There's there's a I think an F bomb in yeah. Damage Incorporated, and then I think there's one on uh, Kill 'Em All somewhere. I forget what track it is right off the top of my head right now. But yeah, you know. But as a whole, you didn't get that. And then on Saint Anger, you get a parental advisory, and then right. you get another one on Hardwired, mm-hmm. and it's in the chorus for one of the Hardwired songs. It's like yeah. you didn't need that. Like you guys right. are you guys are better than this. Right. No, I agree. But it, but it, again, I would still put that above a lot of other a lot of other albums out there. You know what I mean? Like as much right. as I may not like it, I can still rank. It. I but I will put Sin Anger just above Hardwired for me. It's if I'm ranking albums out, the bottom two are are Saint Anger and then Hardwired for me. Yeah, you know that yeah, that's how that. that's how little I like that album. And like I I I hope, and they say they've been writing during COVID, so I hope it's true. But the other thing I have to, I'll get back to the point I was going to make, but like, you know, Kirk Law, you heard the story about Kirk and his phone. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yep. Like, I almost wonder if they had to rush Hardwired because of that, too. Like, that's uh, yeah, very, it's very possible. You know, um, but I but I do hope that Hardwired is not their swan song. Like, I really hope that we get one more, one more attempt out of those guys, at least. Yeah. And, and. I'll tell you what, man, as far as song songs go, you know, I know we touched on the Van Halen thing earlier and you like Sammy more than Dave, but that last record they put out with Dave, A Different Kind of Truth, that whole record is fantastic. I think if you would have asked Eddie, are you okay with this being the last Van Halen record? He would have been like, yep. And Tom Petty is the same way. Hypnotic Eye, the record he put out right before he passed, uh, the last Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers record is fantastic. Yeah, I've heard part of it. Yeah. And I I think Tom would have been like, yep, I'm okay with that being the last one. You know? Yeah. I I mean, that's a thing. Like, you know, you said earlier, uh, uh, you know, as we're getting older, these bands are getting older and you just, you wonder one day when there's not going to be a James or Lars or whatever, you know? Sure. And, yep. and like, look, with all respect to Cliff and Jason and, and even now Rob, Rob. you know, yeah. if, if Rob goes or, you know, if Kirk goes, 
there's a chance Metallica still goes on. Yeah, oh yeah. If, if yeah. Lars or James goes, they're done. James for sure. And yeah, probably Lars. Yeah, yeah, they're done. And and you know, I don't think I don't think that's gonna happen anytime soon. You know, God forbid any weird shit occurs. But you know, right. just But still, it's just like. Oh well, well, I didn't expect we'd lose Eddie at sixty-five out of nowhere either. So yeah, but he'd been battling cancer, hadn't he? Yeah, off and on though. Oh yeah, but I you mean, know, that's what I'm like, saying. Like yeah. to our knowledge, with the exception of James struggling with addiction, they're not really fighting any like disease. But again, you know, like when Neil uh, Pert passed from Rush, we didn't have any idea. You know, he was a very private person, kept him to himself. So and don't don't get me wrong, I'm not wishing bad on anybody. No, I'm I just know. saying we don't we don't know what any of these folks are dealing with. You know what? I would actually, you know, remember I mentioned the in, more, in memoriam from the Hall of Fame yeah. thing last Rock night. Hall. I they did a thing. There was another drummer to pass, not Neil Peart, but another drummer, um, older drummer from like the seventies. I wish I could remember the guy's name. But the cool thing they did in, in the in memoriam is they went side, but they kept they showed a clip of that guy, and then they showed Neil, and then they showed that guy again, and they showed Neil. Like it was almost like a drum off. It was really yeah. kind of neat. Yeah, that's rad. So um, it's not the traditional induction ceremony, Russ, but if. If you're any kind of fan of that stuff, I do recommend you go check it out. It's, it was still worth the watch. But Yeah, one of, one of my favorite guitar players got uh, inducted last night, and I was telling you earlier uh, when we were texting that I forgot about it, uh, Robin Fink, who is got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because of his work with Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Uh, he plays most of the lead guitar on Chinese Democracy. He was a full member of okay. GNR at the time and his work in GNR is a thousand percent different than his work in Nine Inch oh, Nails. Sure. But I was going to watch it anyways, because I totally, it slipped my mind that, uh, Robin Fink finally got in the rock and roll hall of fame because it's one of the big reasons why Axel, um, took his ball and went home when GNR got inducted because he wanted, uh, all of the guys inducted yep. like that were in, in all the lineups Yeah, and the rock hall wasn't hearing it. And so Robin didn't get inducted then, but he did get inducted with Nine Inch Nails last night. So I need to watch that. I, I will. I will not to burst your bubble, but I will tell you that the only time he's even mentioned is quickly in a picture. No, that's which it. is fine. He's in there. No, <laughs> he's no, in but, the I, Hall of Fame, but so. I, I but see, that's the other thing. I'm not. I, I, I don't know that he got inducted. I think it's just Trent. The only reason why I thought that was because a friend of mine texted me a couple of days ago and was like, "Hey, your boy got in with Nine Inch Nails." So, so and he and he's usually hey, pretty no, good I, music. I, listen, be, between you, me, and this 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 digital rumor, and I hope he did. Like I I when 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 you've got a band like Nine Inch Nails, and I'm not dogging on Trent Reznor at all, but but they're mo- mo- mainly known for that one guy, and then he hires people to come and help him with like right. live stuff. I want those live people to make it too. So I I want. I want that guy to make it, but I just sure. don't know, you know. Anyway, um, I could say a thousand more things about Metallica, and I don't think we should because we'll be here until our next recording, which is in a week. So I, right. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do that to you. But um, is there anything else you wanted to, to mention about what we've been talking about tonight before we wrap up? Uh, no, no. I, you know, I, if nothing else, uh, hopefully people heard my top five and said, holy shit, that's diverse. You know, no, I, like I, I don't think you're going to come across anybody else who's number two with a passion artist is Michael Jackson, and their number one is Pink Floyd, and then number <laughs> three know? is fucking Elvis. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I actually, I feel a little, um, I feel a little uh, disappointed in how not diverse <laughs> mine is comparatively, <laughs> but, um, 
But that you know what, and 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 not. I know you're not saying this, but just for the audience, that doesn't mean that I don't like these other styles of music. Like that's a thing I get a lot, and, I, and not from you, but I get a lot that like you what you talk about metal and rock so much, but that doesn't mean I don't listen to other stuff. Like my my, uh, I was talking to Rico a couple of episodes back, and somehow classical music came up and he was like, well, you don't like classical. I'm like, the fuck I don't like classical music. I was raised on classical music. Sure, yeah. You know, my my grandmother was a concert violist and my father had a degree in cello composition. So like, I, you know, I was raised around that too. I just have a preference. So I tend to talk about my preferences, but you know, whatever. Anyway, but listen, Russell, this was a lot of fucking fun, man. Thank you so much for a, for filling in on such short notice, but then B for bringing such great content. Uh, yeah, right on. You got it, brother. Uh, I, I, I've been, I don't have someone in my life to talk music like this with regularly, so it's kind of nice to be able to flex that muscle for a while. Um, And I know there's some fans of ours that have wanted me to be able to do it, that have wanted to hear me talk about it, but they uh, they also respect that it's just not Rico's, you know, cup of tea. He likes music, and I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say bad things that he doesn't like music, but I don't think he would enjoy a conversation like this. Yeah, so, each their own, man. There's exactly. friends of mine that can talk sports and movies to no end, and I'm I just sit there and listen because I can't add to those conversations, you know. See, I I, I that's what I kind of like. I think I can do all three, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah. So anyway, listen. Thanks again for coming out. I am super. I was already excited to be on Infectious Groove. I'm even that much more excited now after this conversation. And I actually like the fact that even though we didn't plan it, it's going to be literally back to back that day. So that's yeah, that'll fucking be fun. badass. And hopefully, um, you know, our audience will go right over. So listen, and I actually want to plug it that strongly since it's going to be this way. If you've listened to this and you've really enjoyed this conversation Russ and I had, we're about to have another conversation with his co-host, Michelle and Kyle. Um, can I tell them the topic, Russ, or should we surprise them? Yeah, absolutely. Them? Go yeah. ahead. So we're going to be discussing the grunge scene um, much more in-depthly. I know I talked about Alice in Chains here, but I think we're really going to kind of deep dive that whole era, are we? That's the plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I got a whole list of discussion points I'll send you. Uh, yeah, great. Yeah. yeah, I'm 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 excited to get involved. I'm excited to talk to Kyle and Michelle. I haven't had a chance to meet them yet, so that'll be really exciting too. And tell Kyle he's wrong about his delineation line with Metallica, but that's yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I, I won't do that. But anyway, um, so yeah, if you haven't heard, if you've enjoyed this conversation, once this ends, go right over and look Infectious Groove. I don't know what the title is yet because we haven't gotten that far, but it'll be it'll be the same one dated today. So whatever this one's dated, it's the same. It's the same date. Yeah, so I'm go. sure we'll tag each other on socials too. Oh, so for if sure. Anybody follows you on Twitter, just watch for us uh, us to tag you guys in the episode with you. You know, yeah, and it'll all show up. At the speaking same time of which, do you wanna do you wanna give your socials out real quick before we wrap up? Yeah, if anybody's heard this and said, boy, I sure could listen to Russ talk about music for another 14 hours, we have a whole backlog of episodes, <laughs> and you can follow us on uh, uh, Facebook and Instagram at just uh, slash Infectious Groove Pod. You can follow us on Twitter at Infectious underscore pod, and then, or uh, you can also just go right to InfectiousGroovePodcast.com and, you know, find us and subscribe on whatever service that you want there, so. Yeah, and and guys, hi- highly recommend it. I haven't listened to fourteen hours worth, but I've certainly gone back and listened to the to the different parts of the catalog. And and these three these three know what they're talking about. It's really really intriguing to 
to hear Russ and Kyle and Michelle go through through their stuff. So I highly recommend go and listen to Infectious Groove. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because they're part of Odd Pods. I, 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 I'm, you know, Russ. I've said it before. I've been a fan since the day I heard you guys. Yeah, I, for sure. Am. Which I, I, I greatly appreciate. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So, uh, listen. Thank, thank you again. Thank you, the audience, for listening. We're not ending this typically because Russ doesn't know our normal endings, and I don't feel like trying to explain it. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> sure. CJ here with a few thank yous and let you know how you can get in touch with and follow the show and us. Listen to us on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you find your podcasts. Please don't forget to rate and comment. If you want to agree with or yell at us, follow Rico, me, and the show on Twitter. The show is at Podeskew, Rico is at Rance Rico, and I'm at M underscore Blade. We want to thank logo designer and show friend Mike for his work on our wonderful logo. You can contact him for artwork via email at logomike80 at gmail.com. That's logomike80 at gmail.com. Thank you to Samuel Lemons for all original music on the show, especially our theme music. You can find Sam on Twitter at Samuel Lemons, all one word, and his music on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Samuel Lemons. Finally, our biggest thank you is to you, everyone, for listening. Rico and I really appreciate your time and look forward to bringing you another episode soon. David! up until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal and I know this is true because before breakfast (laughs) I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. price and participation may vary McDonald's I'm loving it